askgunquestions.com is a website that we built back in 2007. And since then, for the last 15 years, people have been able to ask questions of simple to advanced nature, and we attempt to answer them in different ways over the years. Join us now as we start a new series to answer gun questions. Hey, welcome everybody to our weekly conversation about answering questions about guns. And this is our special holiday edition. I uh, messed up, set the show up about an hour ago, but I only sent these guys the links maybe four minutes ago or something. So uh, Tony's not in here yet. I think he's been over there posting on Instagram. So unless he's got something up, we'll anticipate Tony joining us. But right now, Clover's joining us from Texas. Thanks for jumping in. Hey, good to be here. Oh, I thought it was screen sharing. So now I'll bring up the uh, screen here. What we do is every Saturday uh, we get together. Well, we try to shoot for an hour. It ends up being 90 minutes, a little bit longer sometimes. And uh, we answer questions that come in to the website, askunquestions.com, as the intro mentioned. We have this uh, spreadsheet database, or we're going to call it, uh, that the questions go into. And you can see as we answer them, we turn them green. And... I'm going to scroll down here. Now, we also do this live, so uh, I definitely value the interactive nature of the Internet. So thanks to the people that are joining us live. We'll say hey to everybody here in a bit, and uh, we'll answer whatever questions come in live as well. So uh, starting off there, uh, we were just talking a little bit about Clover's Christmas tradition. So at first I was thinking it was just you and the wife, but it sounds like you're talking the whole family goes. It kind of depends on who's off, right? Or like what's going on. Like last oh, okay. year, for so example, okay. like last year, for example, my oldest daughter and like, that's where my grandbabies come from. Like they were all in Florida. So like, you know, what do you do? Um, and then work schedules and there's different things, but you know, we've had, we've had extended friends and family go, you know, in years past. So Oh, okay. it's not, it's not like, it's like, oh, it's just gotta be, you know, just immediate family or anything like that. I mean, it's like anybody's welcome, you know, I mean, that's part of the whole thing. So it's, it's okay. sad when we don't get to go, you know, to a movie on Christmas day, but, um, because of, because now, of the tradition this, thing, right. Is this a theater that's a big deal part of it or something or is it like because i've been to theaters that are old no we well actually i mean we you know we hop around as far as the theater goes you know it kind of depends um, okay the, actually like the local I prefer, theater has a movie or something yeah i prefer going to the theater that's closest to us but interestingly enough um this year they're closed they're closing they closed yesterday i think and they're closed through the first of the year, but I think they're doing renovations. I think that's why they're cl they're closing because that was that's kind of weird for them. And the last time we went there, they had some signs up that they were renovating, and I know they've already changed the seats out and and done some things. So um, mm -hmm. maybe that's they took the opportunity to do that. I don't know. We'll see uh, in a couple of weeks. But um, but yeah, there's usually uh, like three different ones that we kind of bounce between just depending on what's showing right because you know that's a that's an issue like if yeah if it's just you and the wife versus like, if it's you and the grandbabies you know if it's any kind of a, any kind of a, a movie that's remotely like scary my wife's not going if it's and like it's hard to take grandbabies to that <laughs> you know if it's something that you know it's documentary or 
you know, potentially got really bad language or, you know, nudity or there's, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's not appropriate for the little kids. So sometimes you end up going to a movie that just, you know, it's going to suck going into the movie. You're like, this is a horrible choice. I'm not going to enjoy this movie. This is going to totally blow. But, um, again, it's the tradition and, and whatever. We've seen a lot of bad movies <laughs> over the years for sure. Some good ones too, but you know, I'd say mostly for me anyway, you know, uh, the, the movie experience, it, it on average is going to, it's going to suck. And I think it's, this is probably another one of those years. Yeah. Well, like you're saying, they don't necessarily put out their cream of the crop at Christmas time. They kind right. I was saying they kind of know. Well, some of them do. They're going, I mean, they're going and they're going to get views no matter what. Like, you know, Star Wars is good to release. They're, they'll usually release around Christmas time, you know, Star Wars stuff. And, you know, a lot of the, there's, there are superhero stuff that are released around Christmas time and stuff like that. But um, there's just not, not anything. Year. There's just not anything this year. I, yeah, I don't understand it. All right. Well, so uh, just kind of starting off, like I said, I didn't send the links out till just moments before the show. So we're just kind of farting around in case Tony's. Just catching the email. Otherwise, uh, we do have people joining us live. So thanks to the people out there. There he is. Um, and uh, there's Tony jumping in. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm actually leaving Gun for Higher Range in Woodland Park right now. Oh, right on. So that worked out good. I didn't even send the link until just before I set everything up here or started everything. So just saying hey to the people who joined us live. Robert was first one to jump in right when I set everything up. Good evening or good afternoon if you're still out there. DJ, jumping in, asking and dropping some links. Thanks for that. 500 Magnums out there. Domo, Millserp, uh, Aegis, Gun Care is out there. Welcome. Good afternoon. And Jeff and Gunmetal. I think that's everybody. If I miss you, say hey again and I'll uh, we'll say hey. If there's any questions, let us know. And I think I did. Did I see a question or am I crazy? Um, I think I'm crazy. So if you have any questions uh, showing up live, feel free to ask them. Otherwise, I guess I was going to say, um, want to go backwards on these things since we've gotten, uh, we're, we're, we're almost up to the December questions. We know we're not too far backlogged, but so that we can just attack it a different way. I was thinking, let's hit the most recent and go backwards today. Uh, but before we do, um, I just kind of jumped right in today. Uh, does anybody have anything to start off? I know we guys we meet up every Saturday in case you guys had something to bring up. You want to just uh, assume? I don't think I have anything. Yeah, no, I don't have anything. Uh, week's been a little busy here in Jersey with the insanity we're going through yeah, right now. You guys now. kind of plummeted. I, I noticed that there was a lot of, you know, let people in new jersey know this is coming this is coming and then all of a sudden it switched to it got voted on it got voted on so that's frustrating now you have to initiate the taking it to the supreme court somebody has to sue them and then sort of what oregon's doing yeah um well <laughs> our lawsuit was filed before the ink dried so we knew that was coming we knew it from the very beginning Right after Bruin, we knew Jersey was going to fight it. We just didn't know how, and we knew we were going to have to sue. We knew they weren't giving up. So when they passed pretty much what, what Clarence Thomas said not to do, they looked at that as a blueprint and did it all, New Jersey legislators. So 
we're going to court and it probably won't get past the very first court because they're going to lose every appeal too. And when it's to do with civil rights cases, they have to reimburse the, uh, the organizations for their legal fees. Oh, well, that's good to hear. So there'll be some potential consequences. So that was, that's interesting that they, knowing that they still went ahead and wasted everybody. Well, but, yeah, everybody's money. Time, right? But is that, but is that good to hear considering that the money that they're, have to reimburse is coming from the taxpayers, which is your money to begin with. No, well, no, it's not. Yeah, they're fighting it with our money too. Right. I mean, so, right. so we're paying for both sides. Yeah. Um, at like, least this sucks. way, there's something, there's some actual damage because sometimes they'll do that and it's yeah. just like, like, well, it's given. You know, we have to fight for, you know, you know, even if they're wrong, we have to fight right. for our constituents. No, that's cool. I, yeah, but I yeah. agree. That's that's cool. But you know, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, kind of sucks because. It's all our money anyway. I like oh, to think of the tax money as like they put all the jerks tax money over here and all the good people's tax money over here and all the good <laughs> people's tax money pays for the good stuff and all the jerks tax money gets wasted. That's what I like it should be that way. Yeah. But, so, uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. We, we know the fight was coming. They're going to lose. They don't have a leg to stand on. And what they're doing anytime they do it is just blowing their chance. So it was great that they put all that on the table. Because it's all going to be an L and they can't use it again. You know what I mean? So they, they loaded it, all the stupid up in one bill. They're going to take a loss on the entire thing and not be able to use it again. So it works for us. It works for us. Hopefully the next move is magazine limitations. Because uh, that's in California right now. But that's going to lose due to brewing. And, and we're just going to keep the attack going. We have lawsuits lined up. So if your state is okay and you're looking for a place to donate, look for New Jersey Second Amendment organizations and donate there because we're going to have nothing but fights here. We're trying to push magazine limitations back. We're trying to push this carry bill back. We're trying to get rid of the assault weapons ban. Um, all of that is happening in New Jersey. We're trying to push the clock back to 1989 <laughs> in our state. I mean, it's kind of the anticipated that when something happens on one side of the teeter-totter of rights or whatever they want to consider, like, you know, the, the game that they're playing, that when something pushes on one side, they're going to push on the other. And who's going to do that pushing? The states that are known to do the pushing. So I guess they wanted to get in there before New York. Um, yeah. Well, actually, not just <clears throat> Because New York has had some other stuff. They've just been doing it a different way. They just wanted to get in there and cut a deeper cut before anybody else on the East Coast, I guess. Yeah, because New York, okay, uh, New Jersey and New York are in different federal districts. Oh, okay. So that's why they're able to get away with the BS. Uh, one's in the second and the other's in the third, and I confuse the two. I think New Jersey in the third federal district. Anyway, yeah, we got to have our win here. But they're doing the exact same thing, and they're going to take a loss just like New York did. Now, uh, I want to take a second at the beginning of the show, and we'll take more time later on, but uh, both of y'all have stuff going on right now. Clover's got the sticker deal with uh, Ghost, uh, so they can get to SHOT Show, and then Tony's got uh, that, well, I don't know what you're calling it now. Uh, Wheel of Freedom. Wheel of Freedom. The Shield of Freedom. Yeah. Uh, Shield of Freedom. Wheel of Freedom. And, uh, but anyway, so just to, uh, if DJ wants to drop links, otherwise... Uh, we're going to be chatting more about that, but both of these guys have basically $10 uh, things going, 10 bucks or more, and uh, 
help them get stuff done at the end of the year. I can tell you it's tough with the uh, way things are going when you're not, uh, well, for everybody, I imagine. So uh, with that, we'll dig in. Like I say, let's uh, start with the last question here and go forward. I guess I was just in here um, to see where the, uh, where did I put that stuff? Was it here? U.S. Judges? I had a map somewhere of the, uh, uh, what are they called? Oh, they're the court, I guess the circuit courts. So yeah, it looks like New York, Connecticut, Vermont, and May is Rhode, not even Rhode Island. So it's New York, Connecticut, and Vermont are their own circuit court. That's weird. And then Maine, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and New Hampshire. I don't know all the states up there. I think those are their own court with Puerto Rico. And then, uh, wow, New Jersey and Pennsylvania are the third circuit court by yourselves? Wow. I never really paid attention. I mean, I guess when I colored the map, I must have paid some attention, but I'm just looking at this little tiny map here because I can make it bigger. Has anybody ever really paid attention to the, uh, the map of the circuit courts? I know we talked Crazy about the how that was drawn. Yeah. I didn't have any idea it was just two states like that. Maybe it's Delaware also. It's hard to say because I made them in stupid colors. Anyhow, so let's dig into the question. Do you know anything about the Grendel R31 22 long or 22 Magnum? Is it worth it? Or what is it worth, I guess? Do you guys know about this one? We're talking about the thing that uh, George Kelgan came up with, that Grendel in 22. Uh, the company Grendel, yes, between Caltech and, well, it was whatever the other company was before that. So, yeah, the Grendel, I guess they're talking about the R31, which is the carbine version. And then there was also a pistol version. That's the one I'm familiar with. Yeah, me too. And then I get, I mean, I know there was a carbine version, but I've never physically seen one before. I don't even think I've seen one at a gun show before. I've only seen pictures of it online. You guys ever seen one or held one? No, I've never even seen the uh, pistol version in real life. I oh, just I've knew seen, about it. I've probably shot about three of them. Maybe five of them went through the shop over the years. I've always liked them. Bob would always buy them because he likes goofy guns, I guess, too. And, uh, it can shoot, you know, it can get bad. It's got a, a polymer mag and it's a double stack. It's a, you know, it's a double stack 22 Magnum and a pistol, but it was such a short little gun that it actually felt pretty, pretty decent. Uh, but like any 22 Magnum, you can get filthy bad, just inconsistent ammo and it'll not do as well. Yeah. But the pistols are one of those things, unless you guys have had different experience, like they were, I, I'm assuming inexpensive when they were made originally, I'm guessing in the eighties. But everyone I've seen since has had a more of a higher price because of their rarity and the uniqueness of them. So they were, I'm trying to think, I think more like $600 guns. They weren't like, you know, $100 and $200 guns. That's understandable. I mean, they didn't sell a lot of them compared to other things, and they were unique. I mean, it's not going to be an heirloom item, but it, it it's more than you pay for it if you purchase it's a, a yeah it's a collector's thing like nobody wants it because it's so good or anything as much as like yeah. it's a line lineage of caltech and those those grendels are interesting 
the carbine though. I don't know. So what about Clover? Have you ever seen these? Either one of them or never seen one in the, uh, yeah, I've never seen one in the wild. Um, but I, you know, I've never paid that much attention to like trying to see one in the wild. So it'd be interesting to know if like Tulsa, that may be a, something to put on the uh, list for Tulsa was, would be to pay attention and see, see if there's one. And, and I agree. I mean, it, it, what's it worth? I mean, prices are going to be all over the map according yeah. to area and, and a lot of other things and condition and you name it. Um, it's definitely a rare firearm. Um, so, you know, I would not be surprised if you get into the easily get into the fifteen hundred to two thousand dollar range on it. Um, but I also agree way more. Yeah, yeah, it could be, uh, and um, and I also you know, agree with you guys that you know it's more the rarity collectability side than you know you're going to spend fifteen hundred dollars. You could have a lot more fun. Uh, buying several other things for that fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars than than an R thirty one, but again, you're going to have an R thirty one if you choose to go that route. Not many people do. <laughs> so, yeah, of, yeah, of collectible guns, I guess you could shoot that. It's not like you're going to hurt. It's like getting an old Jeep or something. If you just drive around an old Jeep and you're not reckless, then you're not yeah. going to hurt it because it's a Jeep. But you know, well, you are driving, yeah. So it's the kind of gun you could collect and then still shoot it because it's only a twenty two mag. It's not going to right. blow up really ever. But I mean, if you find one sealed in the box that, you know what I mean? I mean, I, that, in that situation, I, I wouldn't take it out and jack with it. But, you know, if you pick up one that has been fired previously, that's my whole thing with like collectible stuff. Like that's it's fine. If you pick up something that's collectible, that's been fired before, fire it. Just, you know, shoot it, enjoy it, but take care of it. Right. Like go out, put a few rounds through it. Oh, that was awesome. You know, clean it, put it up. You know, take care of it, that sort of thing. I mean, it's not, it's not like a, uh, you know, throw around gun or anything like that. I guess if you got a bunch of money, you can do that. But I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to. Well, it's just I, I, value, though. Yeah, it's right. one of those things. Like when I was into comic books, I didn't collect comic books because they were an investment. I bought comic books and I kept them around because I like reading comic books. And eventually, you know, some of the ones I have are worth something and. Some aren't, but that's not why I didn't purchase them as an investment. I purchased them because I was reading comic books. So if you're going to have this particular firearm, get it because you want to collect that kind of firearm or you enjoy shooting that kind of firearm. As an investment, buying <laughs> Keltec stuff or Kel George Kelvin stuff, it, it's not like you bought a, a 45 ACP loop. You know what I mean? That's not the million-dollar loop. That's not what you're dealing with. So... Again, collect it if you want, sell it if you want, shoot it if you want, but it's not an investment. At least in my opinion. Sorry, I was trying to sneak an email in here. I just sent an email to Tim S. Because uh, I don't think I have your email or an address to send your stuff from last night. Just saw you in here. Um, Clover said he'll be back in a second. So this one's going to be a big one. Um, we probably talked about it on this show before. I'm sure we have all talked about it in the past, at least more than, well, probably way more than once. But this is an interesting question and it has completely different topic or, you know, different direction. The question is how to move the Overton window back to where guns are normalized. So since Clover walked away, I'll let Tony dig into that one. On, on uh, Christmas Eve afternoon. <laughs> 
Overton window, moving the Overton window takes extremes. I mean, because that's how it's shifted. I'm doing my part right now, shifting it by inviting people to the range, uh, doing diversity shoots, and everybody in their everyday life could do it uh, by inviting others to the range, by being a uh, responsible firearms owner. But just, just you can talk about it depending on your situation, if you can discuss it at work. It can be the thing you use in your social media to reach out to others and show people how much fun this activity can be, this right and exercising it can be, and just continually beating that drum that you're the PBA dad, you're the volunteer firefighter, you're an EMT, but you also own and shoot a firearm. You're the dude from work. You're the plumber. And invite normal people in your social circle to come to the range and just understand that this is normal. Normal people own firearms, and you just be an ambassador if you can. You don't have to know every law. You don't have to be an, a two-way activist that knows legislation. You can just be that safe, responsible firearms owner that introduces other people to firearms in a responsible manner. Not to do to give somebody a 12-gauge or a 3-inch magnum in it and videotape them and laugh at them, but actually be the person that goes, hey, want to go shoot clays? And you take them out and show them how much fun that is. Um, purchase 22. Go plinky. If you're not comfortable with training somebody or teaching somebody, I'll tell you to take an NRA class. Take the NRA uh, basic instructor class. It's a little bit expensive, but it will give you a syllabus. They teach you how to teach. That's the good thing about that NRA basic class. No, it's not going to turn you into a Navy SEAL instructor, but it will give you that confidence and it will give you um, a breakdown of how you train and teach others. And I think it's a good step for a lot of people that really want to get involved and actually help shift that over to window by just inviting regular everyday people to something. The mom's demand and the psychos that push the Overton window the other way, they have nothing fun to do. Telling others no and stripping away rights isn't something you can get together and go, let's go have fun doing this. We have the fun on our side by, hey, let's go to a range. Let's shoot pop cans. Let's shoot clays. Let's just poke holes in paper, zombie apocalypse kind of silliness. and uh, Or let's go shoot tactical rifles. It can all be. We have the easy part is getting people to the range and make and normalizing this. We just have to do it. The other part about normalizing it is to turn it into activism. But one step at a time. Get people to realize you're not crazy if you own a firearm. And uh, yeah, I think it's on each individual to make this work. We can do it. Because we've done other things. We could do this. So we'll leave it open, of course, so you can add to that if you want. But uh, it's a good angle. Clover, the question that we're going after is a big one. Yeah. How to move the Overton window back to where guns are normalized? I see this a little different because I don't know that the window is shifted to where guns aren't necessarily normalized. I think, I think that, I think we have elements, the anti-gun elements of moms and other things that Tony talked about, as well as mainstream media, as well as certain politicians on both sides of the aisle that want it to appear as if the window is shifted 
one way further than it actually is, right? Um, and I think what Tony brings up, uh, brought up just then, um, is a lot of it. I mean, there's a lot of people that are closeted firearm owners. A lot of people that are closeted firearm owners. There are a lot of people that, you know, and, you know, they talk about, you know, we, we hear this, you know, 78% of like they're because they shoot nine millimeter. Oh, well, it could be, but you know, there's, they're, you know, we hear, you know, 78% of gun owners want background checks or, you know, we're these weird goofy numbers all the time. Right. But we got to remember that not everybody is paying attention to everything. And also when they do these polling and stuff that kind of, they base their, where the, where the location of the Overton window is in their mind, they base that on polling data and crap. And they rig questions to put the window where they think it, where they want it to be, I think. So I think we're being played a lot. Right. Like, do you want babies to die? You say no. And they go, of course they want reasonable gun instructors. Right. Yeah. See, they don't want children to die. So that means they want gun control. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not what I said. You know, it's like, like, yeah, they, they, they rig the questions like that. And so, um, in the polls and stuff like that. And so in their mind, the Overton window is in a different place than where it might be in our mind if we actually sit down and think about it. And I've struggled with that a lot. Like, you know, that question comes up a lot. How do we move the window? How do we move the window? I would say, how do we get people to recognize the window is already where we need it to be? We've had the gun culture and the second amendment for a very long time. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a part of fabric and society. Look at Hollywood. Look at, they would not make movies with firearms and stuff in them if they did not know that appealed to the culture. Right. And so I don't know that the window is, is, I don't know if it's so much we have to move the window as we have to get people to realize that the window is where it needs to be. We're there. We just need to recognize that it is there. And those other people are the ones trying to move the, the window. They're trying to move the window, not us. I don't know if this is the same thing or not, but it, would that be like call them on their incorrect assumptions when they'll say stuff like, 70% of gun owners, like if we got better at calling them out immediately, well, when you misrepresent the question, you can make it look like anybody wants anything and then keep moving right. so that, you know, to, to show that their attempt to suggest the Overton windows moved or just yeah. to suggest that guns aren't normal to, you know. Right. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I think we can, I, we, you get, you fall into another trap, though, I think, with that, G, where, you know, if you start calling them on their inaccurate data, right, then you, you're you're countering that by spewing data, right? You're countering their numbers with your own numbers and other things. And I think at that point, normal people, you can start to lose them, you know. I think giving real-world examples would be, you know, a better way. Go, uh well, what Maj recently had the brief explanation where you ask the person, oh man, I forget how he took it. He took in like three or four steps though, where you ask the person if the, wasn't it Maj with the single mom? It was Instagram, maybe I'm not even, it's in the last month. Right. Anyhow, he did a pretty good way to, to reach to the emotion of the issue uh, and get past the because his thing was all about, you know, the kind of the moments on the street. You, you know, you have an interaction for moments on the street with somebody. Right. Um, Rod out there has got a good point. He says, being 
Pro 2A, we shouldn't make stuff up or over-exaggerate things. Remember, we have the truth, history, and the Constitution on our side. And then I would add what Tony said, the fund on our side as well, uh, and the positivity on our side. Um, you know, it's all, we're all positive. Pro, that's Pro 2A. Pro is positive. We have that that movement. There's this anti-downtrodden, bringing up all the bad, you know, talking about all the bad, um, you know, trying to restrict rights. So there's nothing fun about the, the anti-gun, anti-2A movement. Tony is absolutely correct about that. So it's just it's just a matter. I know we get down when well, I know we get down when laws and stuff like that are 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 passed on constitutional laws and stuff like that. When we have a loss, I know we get down, but I don't think I don't think society is, is over the brink as far as the whole gun culture and two A thing goes. Yeah, I um, I find what you say uh, you might be right, but it also depends on where you are. Um, living here in Jersey, I think the Overton Window is in a different place than it is where I grew up in Virginia, as far as gun ownership and what's normal. Uh, right. What's normal? What's normal in Jersey? So let me ask you. Let me go ahead. Let me ask you, Tony. With that, with that in mind, like each state, and not even each state necessarily, but it can be it can be each. Region of each state, yep. right? So, when we're talking about the Overton window, do we look at the average? Do we look at the aggregate? Or, you know, when we when we talk about that as a whole, as the country, like the country is going this direction, we always talk about that. So, are we the looking Overton at it? Well, the, window, the window is like, you know, if you think of a window on the house, it's going to be somewhere on the wall, and then it's going to be of a size. So, like a small little porthole prison window you know, is one thing. And then a big giant picture window is another thing. Uh -huh. And then if that thing is looking east or west, or if it's looking north or south, depends on if you're going to see the sunrise only or the sunset only, or if you're going to see something else. Right. So I think that's a, when we say the Overton window, I don't know where it actually came from or, you know, what the actual things are, but I think that's a part of it where sometimes it's what direction, like, do they think guns are good or bad? Like that's part of the Overton window, which wall is it on Are good guns, good or bad or indifferent maybe. Right. Or, yeah, Maybe looking at, looking out that window, and then your how view big is it? Is it all guns, or is it just certain guns? I'll shut up. Yeah, I mean, like any window, your view is dependent upon where you're standing inside the house. You know what I mean? If you're standing one side, you have one view. If you stand in one corner, you have another one. If you're too short to see over it, you have another one. Um, so it depends on where you are. Uh, in Jersey, in this, in Central Jersey, again, I'm just driving uh, uh, down the. Uh, New Jersey Parkway right now. I'm in Clark Westfield. This is North Jersey. A lot of people consider it Northern Jersey. And they have a different gun culture. In the 60s, they had, uh, in Newark, they had gun ranges in the school for the kids to shoot. Uh, they had police shoots you could go down and actually participate in. That's where the Overton window was then. Now they lose their ever-loving mind if you ever thought about putting a gun range in a school to allow the children in Newark to compete. Um, but there's still places in Jersey that that can't happen. It just depends on where you are. So, yeah, I think that Wendell is dependent upon where you grew up, the culture you grew up in. Has it shifted? Depends on where you stand. I find nothing wrong with just keep normalizing it. Uh, uh, keep reaching out, bringing more people into the culture. The more they push us, the more we invite people in and let them see that they're being lied to. 
yeah, it is not good for someone who's pro 2A, pro civil rights to exaggerate or lie or try to use fear. I'm sorry, but that's that's a silly way. And some gun, uh, some pro 2A organizations attempt to use fear <clears throat> to get people to donate and get people to join the fight. Most and I think that's do. totally wrong. Yeah, Most I think that's do. totally wrong way to handle it. Uh, you look think, like chicken little sky is falling and that's yeah. not the way to advocate. Here's the way I see it, Tony. Let me, let me know what you think with, with that. The, the fear mongering aspect of it. I think it's excellent for fundraising, for making money. It's crap for outreach and bringing people on board. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I think it's crap. And also, uh, you lose any moral high ground in my book if you're willing to lie and exaggerate just like the anti-gun. Right. Sorry. That, that, that's just bull crap. Be truthful about it. But there's a reason they continue to do it, right? Because it's successful. And it's because it makes money. Let's yeah. be honest. I mean, I'm sure I could say some stupid stuff and, and increase the amount of donations I get. Not right. willing to do it. Not right. willing to do it. Maybe that is why, you know, 2A4E won't become next to I'm good with that because I got to be true to myself and what I do and look myself in the mirror. Right. And I don't want to mislead people. Yes, if you take your hand off the steering wheel, don't be upset when a car runs into the ditch. We have to actively <laughs> participate in 2A advocacy if we don't want bills like that have been signed in the law in Jersey to happen. You have to pay attention. You have to pay attention on a local level. But I'm not going to say, oh, they're going to take your gun and the blue, you know, blue helmets are going to kick in your front door if you don't donate twenty dollars to diversity shoot to help us fight the fight in 2023. That's nuts. That, that's ridiculous. Right. No, I'm going to keep the fight up in 2023 whether you donate or not. But your donation can help me get to Colorado and work with Edgar with Guns for Everyone this year. That that could actually help. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm going. So if you want to help with our mission, donate. But the mission's going to happen without you or with you. I'd like you on board. Maybe that's not emotional enough for some people. That's the best I got. <laughs> so when you me. guys are talking about the way that, uh, you know, where people are in the room, I guess, or like, you know, what direction they're looking. So I think that's an element, too, where if the window itself hasn't moved, but they've been able to adjust people's either position or uh, view. So where, you know, they see it as an issue. Well, I guess that is still moving the window. So I, I guess I was going to say that maybe there's an element where some folks are going to say, oh, the window hasn't moved. It's still the same. However, they've shifted people around to where the 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 what you want to say like the 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 fact that some people think that the Overton window is just fine where it is is a bad thing. So I guess that's technically meaning there's like a different window for different people, but I'm not sure again the total definition of this thing. But my my thing is uh, it's changing and it's been changed. I think a little bit of what each of you are saying that uh, it's not one Overton window maybe that there's. Overton windows for sports shooting, for example, or for CCW or concealed carry, that window has changed to where every state has concealed carry and whether or not they want to delude themselves, there's not blood in the streets from that fact. 
then there's the window that would be the perception or the awareness of constitutional carry or what they want to call permitless carry. And again, no blood in the streets. They really can't point to anything that justifies their fear or paranoia of that whole concept. So, you know, I think there's two ways, or at least there's more than one group of people perceiving this window. And, and I think that's an element. So maybe my answer is just to continue to, to, if the question is how do we move the Overton window back to where guns are normalized? I think the way you make guns normal is by efforting towards that. So I think the way that you achieve that is not by hoping that it happens or by waiting for someone else to do it or by like a lottery waiting for it to, the stars to line up or something or thinking that maybe the stars will line up in some kind of pattern. So I'll just wait for the stars to be beneficial and that's when I'll participate. But instead to have an, an intent and be part of the initiative to normalize guns. And if that means wearing a t-shirt or that means taking someone to the range or that means being active in a conversation or maybe the opposite of that, shutting up once in a while and deciding not to wear a gun thing to make that part of the issue, right? Knowing when to act or react or not act to attain that goal, you know, and valuing your role in the whole thing, not assuming that someone else's job or someone else is the one who's going to change the perception that we each have a, a place in that and understanding that it's not a finish line, but a way of life or a long, long game, you know, where our, we win by being in the game. We win by, you know, having the ability to defend when we're challenged, but not seeking the fight. So that's, I guess that's my middle ground between you guys or between your, not like between you guys, but between the answers that y'all gave out of nowhere on Christmas Eve. We're getting a lot of weird questions out there and just other stuff. I don't know if it's uh, we're boring people or if the way that we're saying <laughs> stuff just doesn't lead to interaction with it. But um, I think unless you guys want to keep going on this one, this is an old question. As you mentioned, we've all dealt with this one before. Unless something that one of us said is worth spinning off on again, we'll wrap that one and start hitting some of the live questions. Let's go. I don't know if you guys saw any. There's been a bunch. If you want to hit any, otherwise the first starred one I see here is Tim S., which I just, when these guys were talking, I got your package out to the uh, mailbox, so it should hopefully go out today. So thanks again for, uh, I think you got the hashtag one yesterday. Uh, we had three different thank yous last night during the Daily Gun Show, so Tim grabbed one of them and I didn't have his address. Anyway, so his question is, when do we get the rights already lost back it's always us conceding or compromising. Not really. Yeah, no, it's not. It appears that way. You're listening to too many fear mongers probably, but, um, and again, it's like Tony <laughs> brought up, it's different pockets and other things. I think, I think overall, again, I get the pocket argument, but you know, if you look at, you know, overall, as far as the, makeup of the country if you look at overall as far as you know the culture and society like i don't i don't think that's true the the, the fight for to keep rights is never ending um and if if because the human element of power and all that good stuff is at play right 
people wanting to maintain power, um, you know, the, the love of money. And of course, money brings power too. And I'm not talking about capitalism. Um, you know, I'm talking about, you know, absolutely screwing over people for money. Right. Um, you know, I think that all of that plays a role. I think that's part of the human element greed, I guess you could call it, whether it's for money or power. Um, that's a part of the human element. And I think the founders and framers understood that they knew that was at play back then, just as much as it is now, because it's a human element. That's why we have the constitution is to attempt to keep that type of stuff in check. Um, so they even have foreseen that they would not have written the bill of rights had they not seen, or the constitution in general, had they not seen the potential for things to start going and getting sideways, right? So that was an issue back then. It's been an issue ever since, and it's an issue today. We'll never stop fighting for, for certain rights because there will always be, you know, people that, you know, humans that want to take advantage. They want to get greedy for whatever reason. Uh, and what is the word? I don't want to say manipulate people, but use people or, you know, I want to say screw people over, but that's not even the, the right wordage, right? Take advantage, right? There's always take advantage, that, yeah. That, you know, the greed consumes them and, and they'll take advantage of whatever opportunity to get whatever it is they want, right? Um, that's my take on it. I, I don't, you know, I don't think it's a never ending battle. I hate to say that, but it, it, it is in some, in some facet. I mean, we're always going to be fighting something in some state. We're always going to be fighting something. It's um, at the city level. We're always going to be fighting something at the federal level. Uh, and it may not even be two a right. Like we may for the most part, get back to almost a hundred percent rights restored with two a, um, but then it'll be something else, right? And then the next thing you know, we're back to the two A fight again, right? Look uh, at speech. Look well, at speech, like right? A, big, a, big, big fight right now, just over freedom of speech. That, well, what that you hasn't just said been there made me think that it's like a. I've never used this one before, but it's like eating, or it's like a diet. You don't just go, "Oh, I ate a healthy meal, so therefore I'm in shape." It's a, it's a, it's a what do you call it? Like it's a decisions over time, and it's. Uh, the accumulation or the results yeah. of a, a long accumulation, right? So uh, maybe something like that where somebody thinks, okay, there's the finish line. I always say the finish line or the long game, but, you know, it's a, it's, do you want to, you know, assume that you don't eat anything, you're going to waste away. If you eat the wrong things, then you get unhealthy. If you eat the right things, you stay healthy, but you don't stay healthy because you ate the right things for a while. You have to continue doing it and right. you can, and nobody is the same all the time. So we have an adaptive, I don't want to say government or system. It's just human nature that we're adaptive. Yeah. Like we see things and it works and we're all good. And then something happens and it disrupts it. And we figure out that it's not good. And we figure out where the imbalance is well, and we correct. And, you know, we're not robots, so it doesn't just happen automatically, but it's something that yeah. we can forget and we can relearn and we can forget and we can relearn. So, I don't get discouraged and go, oh, we've lost it. It's over. Roman Empire, because, you know, it wasn't perfect this last 15 minutes or whatever. Right. Well, and, and that's that's a part of freedom and liberty, right? Like we have, you know, we have the freedom to go out and, you know, strap on a, a piece of fabric and jump out of an airplane if that's what we want to do or strap a cable to our feet and jump off a bridge if we want to. Why? Because that may be enjoyable or exciting or fun. Knowing all the while 
right? And, and I mean, we're allowed to do this is what's crazy. Knowing that in those situations, if something goes wrong, it's all over. We're, we're allowed to drive up and down the highway at 70 or 80 miles an hour, right? Knowing bumper to bumper, you know, whatever, but driving within the speed limit. But either way, knowing that if something mechanically fails or goes wrong, it may not even be a fault of our own. Like, it's not going to be a good day. It's going to end badly, right? So there's there's risks that comes with freedom and liberty. And in that sense, like you're talking about, gee, you, you, yeah, the healthy diet, but you've also got the freedom to go eat a Big Mac every now and then if you just want to go enjoy a freaking Big Mac, you know? And if you're eating a healthy diet, eat the Big Mac as often, as regularly as you often, as long as you're not eating Big Mac every day, right? That's when your heart right. starts going, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, every now and then you do something that is, you know, it's it's you're just taking part of the liberty and freedom to do it because it's fun. It's like it's not necessarily good for you. So Coretta Scott King said the fight is ever is never ending. This is a generational fight. We're going to win some. We're going to lose some. On a national level, we're winning. On a state level, depends on where you're from, it looks like you're taking outs. But because of things like the Bruin decision, we're winning. And a lot of the losses on the state level going to be reversed in the courts because of the Bruin decision. So never give up. And if it looks like it sucks, hey, man, take a break if you need to take a break, but get back in the fight and never quit it. Um, Because it can get that way. I mean, if someone is taking the time out, not only advocating, but making speeches, taking days off of work, uh, testifying in front of the Senate, in front of the Assembly, and then still taking a loss because the same people that spoke to you voted against you oh yeah it can get you angry it can be frustrating don't quit listen regardless of what you're doing you're going to be on one side of history or the other do you want to be on the side that fought or do you want to be just that person that went oh it was too complicated we lost a couple of times not quick because i didn't think i'd make a difference i mean if that's the story you want to tell your grandkids go ahead well that's sort of the sports thing right like you're you can watch your sports team win or lose, but there's no real consequence. It's just what shirt you're going to wear tomorrow. But this has got more content. There's more on the game. There's more skin in the game. There's more high risk. Well, there's more skin in the game, but also you're part of the political process that has made America great. And it's part of the founding of the country. That's true. What yeah, you're makes not just watching players do all the work. You're watching the results of everyone's contribution. So whether or not you sit out or not, it's you're part of the contribution. Yeah. And I, I want to say I fought the fight. Let me I throw in there, the too, as you said that. Sorry, I was just saying that as you were saying that. Um, you know, the thing, the reason, the way that we got to where we are, we're kind of talking about when are we going to get back what we already lost or whatever. I think that's the question we started off with. We're kind of talking about that over to one a minute ago. But the way that the we got to where we are today isn't because we had a fair fight and we lost. We got to where we are today because not that many people cared about guns for a long time it was just a given that guns were american cowboys miami vice you know like platoon or rambo or red dawn and then then all the csi shows and then forget about it and then a couple of people started to think some intellectual conversations and then heller happens the 1980s and 90s happen and we have constant we have care we have uh, concealed carry all over the place people who might have been on the fence are like, well, I know like eight people that have concealed carry, so I'm not worried about it anymore. 
So the way we got to where we are today is by the antis just clobbering on hunters back when hunters could care less about carrying because nobody carried. And they created this like perception that human, that civilians shouldn't carry guns. That's got chipped away slowly. And then it all fell apart in a, like everything would. Once you chip away enough, the rest of it just falls apart. And that's what happened with Heller. It was chip, 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 Heller, Illinois falls, and now concealed carry isn't an issue anymore. They can no longer say that people are waiting to be mass murderers and concealed carry is going to give them the license to do so. That's a false narrative. And they were hiding behind that for a long time. So I think that we got to where we are today by them taking advantage of hunters and stuff who weren't really paying attention because there was nothing to lose. They weren't, there wasn't rights that they had that they were losing. They just didn't, they hadn't realized that the rights had just sort of been taken off the book subtly. So when all that stuff came back and where we are today, we can see a finish line or two. We can see just over the horizon. There's no difference between a, a pistol, an AR pistol, and no NFA. We can see that. So it feels like we're right there. And why don't we have it? We're already right there. But where we come from is is a big gap. And the way we got there was almost all in the recent past here. None of that stuff, you know, I guess what I'm saying is it's not like we had this big fight and we lost and that's when guns were taken away from us or concealed carry was taken away from us. It was a long, long bunch of people weren't really paying attention and it slowly got taken away until a point when a couple of people said, let's take back all those rights. And in the last 10, 15 years, almost all those rights came back. And now we're just almost taking it for granted and saying, well, if we got all these other rights, we want them all. At least a bunch of us are saying we got them all or, you know, all of them are within sight. So that's like, I just, I'm saying like, as far as pace goes, I think we're doing okay as far as pace. Uh, as somebody that lives in Jersey and we got carry in Jersey up until like two days ago, <laughs> which we still have people, regular people can get carry permits. It's the restrictions we're working on right now and they're going to lose. So you can't tell me that we're losing more than we're winning because I didn't think this would happen in my lifetime. And I'm not only involved in it, I'm friends with the people that run the organizations. And we have these conversations. And and the Bruin win, we thought it could happen. But when it did happen, we were still blown away by it. So, yeah, we're, we're racking up wins. Just never give up. Right? That's my whole, uh, whole point. It can seem really dark, again, because coming from this state where the stupidity runs deep. I mean, the, the ignorance of the gun laws, uh, the fact that you somehow can't have hollow point ammo, um, just just you can't stop to use the bathroom on the way to the range with your gun in a car, like all of that stuff. And now we have carry. So, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I understand how you can get dissuaded, but you can't let it happen. You got to stay in the fight. Well, speaking of the darkness, this one is from Domo asking for primarily Clover because of his video. But of course, any one of us, uh, one of your first videos he's seen was Sightmark Night Vision. Uh, are they still good along with Pulsar or any recommendations otherwise? Um, so the Sightmark stuff is, yeah, the Sightmark stuff is still pretty good for the money. Um I think the Wraith, I think the Sightmark Wraith is the newer generation. Probably the one he's seen was on the Photon. Uh, if you're going to go night vision, uh, pretty good for the money. 
Um, but uh, if you ever go thermal, you will completely understand uh, night vision kind of has its place. Uh, but, you know, kind of depending on what you're doing. But especially if you're talking hunting um, and you're talking about taking those shots and stuff, uh, thermal is just, man, thermal is just the way to go. Uh, that said, he's asking out there about Pulsar. And, yeah, bang for the buck. I mean, Pulsar's, I would say, is definitely where it's at, bang for the buck, no doubt. Well, so night vision is looking at a different spectrum of light. It's looking at infrared, infrared. so it's just a shift in, red, in light. Yeah. So it sees what it can see. So if you've got fog or mist or smoke, you're seeing the smoke at a different wavelength, but you're not seeing what's in the smoke. Heat is different. Heat, does the, uh, what you call it, a... Uh, thermal looks at a heat source so if you think of like a uh, yeah. somebody like a contractor looking for where your vents are blowing heat out from gaps watching or predator. something yeah watching predator exactly you're seeing a heat signature of the stuff so that's a little different it'll see through smoke it'll th see through some fog and stuff i mean if there's enough temperature in the fog it's not going to see through a lot of temperature but right. a thermal is neat you'll see a little bird because the bird is enough heat to be a little red dot in a bush yeah. and the bush doesn't even show up because it has no heat right. so anyway what i'm getting at is uh neither one of them are perfect i guess i forgot to mention if you put a mirror up or you put a piece of glass up the thermal stops so oh yeah yeah you can't look through red glass. can't yeah. see through smoke but thermal can't see through glass so that also means anything reflective so a piece of mylar or whatever so something as easy as a poncho liner with a, a space blanket inside of it will be visible to both of those. So right. neither one of them are perfect if someone's trying to get you. And both of them cost a ton of money comparatively to just getting used to going outside at night. I grew up where you went outside at night and got what's called night vision by just getting used to seeing things by the light of the moon or the partial moon or the stars or the ambient light around. But we would never use flashlights. Flashlights sucked also back in the old days. So there was no point in using a flashlight half the time. So I, I mean, I know, I know so many people that are younger than me that just don't even realize you, how well you can see in the dark if you just turn off lights and start holding on a second because it takes a second for your eyes to do it. Right. You can see really well in the night. But um, I'm, I mean, I'm not selling nothing. I'm not associated with nothing. But there's a lot of money there. And let's talk about you've got a pair of boots on you've got some pants and clothes or whatever on you got a belt maybe you got stuff in your pockets that cost money you got a rifle you got some ammo you know you got a vehicle what's the most expensive thing you got with you sometimes a piece of night vision how can you break it i mean let's start talking about water light gravity grit dirt so lend it to somebody bump it drop it forget about it smash it crush it so much money to have in a tiny little thing i get it but I just got to keep throwing that out there. It sounds great when somebody wants to sell you an affiliate link because if you buy $2,000 worth of stuff, that's 200 bucks. Well, it depends on what you're doing. What do you plan on doing, right? Yeah. Like, if, you, if you're going to go out, well, seriously, and you're, you're talking about shooting pigs in the face or coyotes in the face, well, you probably need some night vision or some thermal. Like, being able to see. Now, being able to navigate the woods and... Stuff like that, I get you by the moonlight, just with moonlight or whatever the case may be. No, I mean, I totally get you. But, you know, when you're talking about, you know, 100 yards away, you know, taking out an animal or something like that, it's, it's a totally different situation. And, and you know, take night vision, you're right. Go, go play with it. Take Go to a class yeah. or go to a, an event or go somewhere where somebody's got something to fiddle with. It's expensive. Well, or, Good night vision costs like 10000 plus. 
So you don't get to handle it very often. Good. You could get you can get decent plus. stuff. You can get, you can decent, get stuff. You can get decent stuff. If you yeah. look through dual tube aircraft quality, I have night looked vision, through I have looked through that's ten grand plus thousand dollar night vision and thermal stuff before. Yes. Yeah, so it, it, it's yeah. definitely it's expensive to get good stuff. Everything else is some weak version, but it can still cost you thousands and thousands night of dollars. Night vision though or thermal. Well, like good night vision is dual tubes and it's good. So it's gonna cost you ten grand. Thermal will start at ten grand easily. You can get digital thermal that's hundreds. Yeah, I mean probably so two to three thousand you can get into some some decent thermal stuff. Um you know, anyway, the thing about, get your hands on it. Go use it first. Yeah. It costs so much. That well, that's what I was getting the, at. There the threshold are, is you're screwed once you got it. And then you're like, oh, how do you regret that decision? Most people can't. So they're going to say it's the best thing I ever bought because they yeah. spend so much money on it. And that's where I'm trying to you know, pull the shade or pull the curtain or cut from that. That there's a, right. there's a loop where people want to sell it to you because there's massive commissions on it. People that have paid for it don't want to look like chumps. So they're going to say it's okay. And I'm not saying clothes because he doesn't have a super $10,000 one, but I know people that have, and I'm not saying $10,000 tubes ain't great. They're awesome. But very few people can casually well, I'm sitting here telling you, on their head. Yeah, I went on hunts and and you know literally been given not given like I can take it home, but before the hunt, you know been given a, a rifle with a thirty forty thousand dollar you know thermal or something sitting on top right. of it. I've used that great stuff and and so yeah, my my thing is coming from you know good is good enough. Again, it depends on what you're doing. Um, and you know the the thermal I have is is multiple generations old i don't have anything new the newer stuff is even better um and you know i can um i can detect at probably you're talking about something the size of a raccoon maybe a rabbit i can detect it a thousand yards with mine pretty easily and it's also it's getting used to it used to using it and what you're looking at i can identify at several hundred yards um and if I wanted to take a shot at a couple of hundred yards, I mean, it's it's sufficient enough for that. Now, I typically don't because I'm shooting suppressed and a lot of other things. It doesn't make any sense to shoot that far. But two things. Uh, number one is you're right. Being able to experience it and look through some of this stuff and especially different uh, price ranges is super important. Um, and uh, somebody had asked this question before, I think, on a different chat. And I talked about ultimate night vision. I don't have any affiliation. I've been on some hunts with those guys and, and other things in the past. Um, but there are places that offer rentals for night vision and thermal. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, getting one for the weekend, I mean, it may cost you a couple hundred bucks, right? But, you know, it, at least you're able to experience it and, and kind of get a feel for that sort of stuff, right? Um, yeah. The, and if you're going to be spending twelve grand or ten grand, let's or no, I'm going to say ten grand. Let's say you're going to spend twelve hundred bucks. Let's say you're going to spend twelve hundred bucks. What is it to go out and spend a hundred to to get to hold one thing, hunt with one thing, fiddle with maybe three things, and get advice right. from people that own it, and you know, shoot about yeah. a helicopters or whatever they do? Uh -huh. Yeah, like that's that's a, and they're not probably trying to sell you it, right? They're not a yeah. person yeah. online with a video about how you should buy this thing or a store yeah. trying to sell it to you. They're just somebody who owns the stuff, and they're. Like say you can go just like when you go to a range and rent, you know, go, go definitely shoot that stuff, experience it. Because I guess I'm I'm acting like it's horrible, the cheap stuff. But old Russian tubes, if, as long as you got a really bright IR flashlight, oh yeah, are almost the same as good stuff. It's just that good stuff doesn't need an illuminator, and a good stuff is like freaking movie right. better than movie stuff. 
right. again, 10 grand versus a couple of hundred bucks. And in moonlight, where your normal eyes are good, Gen 1 tubes are magic. Oh, yeah. So moonlight's awesome. Yeah. You also can just see with your eyes, too. But it's still, well, that was the you're talking about a couple hundred bucks on your head instead of a thousand. Yeah. And that was the other point that I was going to make is that, you know, when you're talking about night vision, a lot of people confuse night vision with thermal and they lump them together. And in a way, I guess they are. Uh, but like night vision during the daytime is, is virtually worthless. Um, and you can run thermal in the daytime. So, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. That's um, a big, that's a, that's the, really, that's a big thing. The thing with vision's only good at night. Just to give a visual. So if I've got a, if somebody is shining a, a whatever thousand lumen led light in your face, right? You're blinded with night vision, right? Because night vision picks up the light. It, it, it picks and amplifies up. It. Yeah. And amplifies, right. It, it, and so any, any, any light you've got coming your way if you was to take that same situation and somebody shines that thousand lumen whatever flashlight into your thermal you literally see the heat off the led the little dot that's all you see you see none of the light coming off of it none and so um that's a good way to explain kind of what you see uh and that's what you were kind of talking about g2 if you get anything that's reflective um like snow things like that with night vision anything that's reflecting light it's it's tough thermal doesn't care it's just seeing the heat signature is all it's seeing and it's and it's weird because it sees it in different layers so everybody's seen of course predator probably um but you know the the different temperatures of light it's it's graduated and picks up in such a way that you literally see the trees you literally see the trunks and the leaves and the branches because all of those are different temperature they're, they're cooler you know? than the air yeah yeah but even those parts of the trees right are different temperatures like yeah. the extremities and the leaves are a different temperature than the trunk and so i mean you see that so it's not just an outline some people well what you lose thermal the you're you just seeing that. an outline and like with a human like you can literally if you've got somebody 50 yards away that's got you know their gear on and their rifle and a cap i mean you can distinguish all of those different components of that human because all of that stuff is a different temperature because, you know, the, obviously the gun is metal. It's going to be a different temperature. The jacket's cloth. It's going to be a different temperature, that sort of thing. And the human body is, is radiating heat. So therefore it's going to be the hottest. So it's going to be. Well, you're also you know, going to be able to tell which car in the parking lot just stopped. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Not time you can see tire tracks. Right Tracking right blood. Like yeah. I've tracked, I've literally tracked animals with my thermal because, you know, they're bleeding out. And that, that blood that they're losing is still warm, right? Um, and you can literally track with, with thermal and stuff. It's 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 pretty cool. He puts it on his shoulder. Faces after him. Um, and then when he's done, he grabs their skulls. All right, right. So uh, on a great note, this is from a 500 Magnum. On a great note, 18-year-olds can now carry in Texas. Next, all we need is... All 50 states. Uh, there's only a couple of states that have prohibited to 18 year olds. Or wait, no, what am I saying? Freaking Republican gun control just killed 18 year olds uh, for the whole country, huh? 18 year olds cannot carry in Texas. I think what he's thinking of is the 18 year olds were not able to purchase something and they struck that down, right? They were going to no, make so when we did, something. so when we did constitutional carry, um, when we did constitutional carry, there was a line in there that constitutional carry didn't apply 
18, 19, and 20-year-olds. And so the court struck that down. Or the court was going to struck that down. And the state, this is a falsehood that some people out there, some of the talking heads that don't live in Texas are, are telling people, and they don't know what's going on here. Um, you cannot carry at 18 under constitutional carry in Texas. The, the statute has not changed. The law has not changed. And the state was going to lose that. So they withdrew the case. Right. So nothing's changed. Like court did not say, oh, you can you can now carry. The state pulled that case. They and were going to say it. You're saying they but were probably the going to say it. Yeah, it looked that way. Yeah. So the state pulled it because they didn't want to lose. And no, what's right. going to what you're going to see happen, I think, is Texas is going to expand the license to 18 through 18, 19 and 20 year olds. I don't I don't think at least not not in the immediate in the immediate i don't think 18 19 20 year olds are going to be able to constitutional carry in texas i think that's the that's the way it's going to be it's going to be another step I and mean, we had many steps to get to constitutional carry in the first place and i think we're, we've still got to come and it's like we talked about earlier this is an ongoing fight it never ends uh but you know we're going to get you know probably this session i'm thinking but here's the thing texas is only every other year that we go into legislative session but I think this session, I think we get the license stuff amended to allow for 18, 19, 20 year olds. Um, and then probably, probably next session, it's, you know, there's no blood in the street once that happens. And then so that gives them the clout to go, hey, we've got all of these, especially if there's an uptick in licenses uh, from 18, 19 or 20 year olds, then they're going to go, look, we got all these people that got licenses and, you know, there's not blood in the streets. Okay, now let's change the the code under constitutional carry to where uh, we know that they'll say the there's all the, the gun uh, gun violence violence from guns or whatever they want to say is the number one cause of death for children and the only way they can even come close to justifying that is if they count 19 year olds as children gang, gang violence yeah right so if yeah. you change the laws so that 18 to 20 year old law abiding individuals can no longer defend themselves with lethal you know means then that does nothing to keep that situation in check when you do change the laws so that 18 to 20 year olds are able to carry a lethal consequence for being attacked or threatened or harmed or whatever you know justifiably then what you end up with is criminals who figure out their victims are now going to offer lethal consequence to their bullshit and potentially all that stuff dwindles and then they're not able to justify you know quote unquote justify attempt to justify their positions using inflated numbers by taking 18 to 20 year olds into the account because how many really how many 17 and youngers are out there doing crimes with firearms i mean there must be some but i bet you once you take 18 and olders out oh, yeah. of there oh, yeah. it probably oh, yeah. reduces it bunch because those are the kids yep. that got probably the that's that range when you you're still a kid in a lot of ways you've taken a lot for granted you don't really care because you don't know yet but you know you you're just before all the weight of the world's about to hit you and you're going to start to understand your consequences and you start to mellow out more than likely so you know that that's that time when you're probably the most chaotic in this country i would think i don't know tony's got anything for that for a second um Robert had said, 
Terminator 7. He's looking forward to Terminator 7. I didn't know there was a new Terminator. So uh, I like all the Terminators so far, some of them more than others, but I have no idea. I didn't know. Is Arnold going to be in this one? Is it still him or is it some new version? Probably a girl Terminator now. I don't know if anybody's heard about that. I don't know. I haven't seen anything past the second one. Oh, really? Okay. They get, weird. <laughs> really? they get super weird. I mean, I like sci-fi, so it creates an a world or whatever but then they thrash it around like the world's this way no the next movie changes it to it's like this or three movies later it's not consistent with the second movie kind of thing so it gets pretty complicated but i just like the idea of a future where the robots try to take over and the humans say no you know just lots of different versions of that essentially yeah it's really funny um yeah right second one first one arnold gas station give me your coat Second one was with the little kid, right? And the Terminator yeah. that was made of, like, Mercury. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, those are the only two I've seen. The third one, it gets dumb because I think that's the one where they come back when he's, like, a teenager and he meets up with a teenage girl and they go to, like, some kind of NORAD and live through the nuclear explosions and stuff. So it just didn't seem right. And it was just kind of a bad, it was, it was just not a great one. And then they got crazy. Then it gets weird. And I can't even tell you what the next one. Some of them, he's, it's just John Connor's the robot. Like it gets weird. And they're all in the future. <laughs> yeah, they get definitely interesting. I think it's one of those deals where whoever, I don't know the details, but somebody probably owns the rights and then they just keep hiring different people to write it and they take it in different directions or different, have different ideas. So it, like I say, I find it interesting, but I can't say I love all of it. And then, you know, there was a TV show and the TV show version. There's still the Sarah Connor and the the kid is born and he's like a teenager. And then the T Terminator they send back in this one is a girl. And it's uh, a young teenage girl version of Terminator to guard the young teenage boy version of John Connor. And then it's like a teen uh you know, what do they call that? Rom-com type of shit or sci-fi oh. com. Yeah. Oh, God. And she's, I think she's also a liquid Terminator. I can't remember. I think she's a liquid Terminator also, but she's also a girl. She's the so girl. It became, it became weird science. Oh, certainly. Yeah, definitely weird science. And the mom is the basically the could be Kelly LeBrock. She looks a lot like her. But yeah. Anyway, so it got weird. Um, Clover. They're saying, looking forward to Terminator 7. Interested? Know anything about it? Yeah, I kind of fell out of that franchise years ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It got weird. Yeah. Um, and it's not super good. I just got, I, mean, I really, really, really like Terminator 1 a lot. So I was, I'm going to like everything Terminator. I can't help But it's like Star Wars. I, I like some of them more than others for sure. But I'm going to watch them all. I don't care. It's still Star Wars. Unless it's really bad. I'm not going to. I guess I've watched every Star Wars. Um, G23 is asking a real question. Best Christmas gift, 380 ACP or 38 special? For what? I mean, both of them are great. Uh, especially now that you have things like the M&P 380EZ that gives you a larger handgun, easier to shoot uh, with the 380. And then, of course, you can use any 38, 357 Magnum the 38 special again something easy to shoot that you can also use for self-defense uh the answer is yes right, we're talking personal that. talking personal i i take 
I take 380 ACP because I've got less of it currently sitting around. So uh, both of them, I would accept either one. But uh, I got less 380 ACP right now, so I probably that would be the best. All right. Well, I'm in a, a cre- I came up with this idea while Tony was speaking, but G23 gave us the concept. But I'm now creating a new thing. Here's a new thing that's happening. So you can decide whether or not you want to take it part of this, but it's a thing. It's an official thing. It's a gun channels thing. Um, a gun channels holiday challenge extravaganza. So you give, you pick somebody who you figure will follow through. Cause like, if you'd picked me, I ain't going to follow through. I don't got any money, but somebody who's going to be buying guns. Anyway, you buy them a box of ammo in some caliber, and then they're tasked with buying a gun for it at some point during the year. So you remember everybody, I think show of hands, have you ever bought the wrong box of ammo, got it home and went, dang it, and then decided to buy a gun to wrap around it. I have done that with 20 gauge ammo one time. So instead of returning it, I just bought a 20 gauge. And uh, I know people have done that before. You know, you buy 38 Super and you're like, dang it. Well, I've never owned a 38 Super, so maybe I'll start looking for one kind of thing. Um, but I'm, I'm going to put that challenge out there. You can either buy a weird box of ammo and give it to somebody and now it's their challenge to try to find a gun for it or just a caliber they don't like, like 380, somebody who doesn't shoot 380 or like given 41, what is it, 41 Magnum or is it just 41, whatever the, you know, a, a weird caliber that's not necessarily, well, whatever, play, play it by ear. But I'm going to call it the Gun Channels Holiday Challenge. So if you choose to participate, we'll see if anybody participates and then maybe we can... If a bunch of people participate, we can be like, who was the first one to do it? What was the most extreme one? Who did it with a rifle? You know, because think about doing that with an AR caliber. That could be actually pretty easy. They just have to buy a barrel and a bolt, maybe. Don't give me nine millimeter. If you want to send me ammo, send me 762 by 39 in weird boxes and a couple of rounds or some cases some for my collection. But anyway, what do you think of that challenge? The gun channels holiday challenge. You give somebody a box of ammo and a caliber, and then it's their challenge to buy a, a gun for it. And the worst that happens is you're wasting some money on a box of ammo. You think anyone will do it? It's a bad idea. Both of them are muted. I think they hate it so bad they muted themselves. So they didn't say nothing. I've did that challenge before. I competed in that challenge. I own a 357 Magnum because of it. Right on. Good. And it's a successful one. I think it's hilarious, especially when you get to AR stuff. Um, but thank goodness there's um, Bear Creek Arsenal. And somebody could throw you a loop. You could give somebody a box of 38 Special, like G23 was suggesting, and maybe they buy a lever gun from it or something. Or a Derringer. They find a $67.38 Derringer somewhere. And they're like, ha-ha, got it. And then they win the cheapest challenge, except it. Oh, we're still muted. Yeah, it's hilarious. I right, mean, so, I've done gonna, it, so, yeah. I'm gonna, I would say 38 Special is super boring. I like it, but it's super boring. And 38 ACP is I'm going to say 380 ACP because somebody either has a gun with it and like everybody think you guys both said you can always use 380 because it's not like that many people buy it in bulk or stock up on it and the worst that happens is you buy them a version they don't have or like and now they can go 
verify they don't like it or maybe have never tried X brand. And now they can see if their gun likes it or not, or if they like it. So I'd say 380, but I mean, I, put, I think Tony's probably right. But yes is the answer, a box of each. I mean, if we're going to do this challenge, let's turn it up to expert level, pick out some 45 gap and make somebody actually work. <sighs> that would be hilarious because then their challenge would have been getting the caliber they hate or something. But they might challenge it by just buying a barrel, right, for some gun. Or buying and with those 80 kits, I bet you can make 80s in any caliber you want, right? Or can you? It's a true point. I don't know. I, I just find it funny. Or you could buy somebody 30 carving. Or was that anyone 30 carry, super carry? They might be. 30 super carry and 30 carbine. Have fun with that, guys. <laughs> All right, so next one is 500 Magnum. What's the best Christmas movie? I probably, I say probably, he's saying probably Leap the Weapon. I personally don't like that movie. Um, I've only ever seen it once, though. Um, favorite Christmas movie? Die Hard, Die Hard, Die Hard, and Die Hard. Rambo. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw that post today, too. Rambo. There you, Boom. Go. There you go. My new Christmas movie. I never even thought about it, but everybody's saying Die Hard. I mean, I don't have a problem with Die Hard, but Rambo was first. Yeah. Yeah? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Why? Somebody did a post about it? Oh, I thought that's what you seen. I forgot who it was, like Soldier Systems or somebody. I forgot about thing, And they were like, Rambo's the first gun or first Christmas movie, and there's a picture of him <laughs> in the police department when he's first getting arrested. Uh -huh. And there's all those little Christmas trees everywhere. And I'm like, oh, snap, I forgot it is Christmas. And when he's driving through town on the dirt bike, there's Christmas shit. Yep. I watched uh, Everything Wrong With on YouTube. I really liked that channel when they did a Everything Wrong With Rambo. Oh, no. And, it, and, 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 and they started out. He started screaming about Rambo being a Christmas movie. It's like if Die Hard's a Christmas movie, then Rambo's a Christmas movie. Is there a bunch? Yeah, of but let me ask you this. So, so let me ask you this: Does does Rambo does the plot line and everything with Rambo can that be transposed to any other time of the year and still work? I mean, he only. I think he was going to his friend's house because of Christmas, and there was Christmas decorations up. But I can't think of anything. It's not like he fell down a Christmas decoration or like some. Well, if he, he was, was going like to his Christmas thing was vital or anything. Well, if he was going to his his if he was going to his friends for Christmas, then that would you know that would count. That would definitely. But I don't know if he really was. I know he was going to his friend's house, and his friend was dead from Agent Orange, right? So I, mean, I don't remember if that, that was because of Christmas or it was you know it could have been his birthday. Yeah. Right? I don't know if that was yeah, it could have just point. been yeah, 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 yeah. See, with Die Hard, I mean, the plot line with them opening the vault, uh, the Christmas party, so the building was mostly empty. Um, you know, there's a lot of different oh, no, things. Yeah, it's, with, it wouldn't have happened Hard, on but, Easter or it wouldn't have happened yeah. on December 14th. Yeah. It had to happen on that day. Patrol, the certain patrol that was riding around because it was the holiday, and you know, yeah, yep. <laughs> Uh, so then DJ's asking, will, two, uh, will 2023, are you saying 2023 or 2023? I'd pretty much say 20, I guess. I can't help it. So Doesn't matter. Yeah. 2000 takes too long. Yeah. But anyway, uh, will it be a good year or a great year for guns and gun rights? I think the gun rights part of it, uh, I think for guns, I think, I think we're going to see some cool stuff on that front. At 23. As far as the rights, I think it's going to be kind of a stalemate. Um, I 
don't I don't know that we're going to see a lot in in twenty three. Um, something I was going to mention earlier when when Tony was talking about Jersey and the courts, and we got to realize we got to we got to realize patience. And I understand in the day and age of you know cell phones and internet and instant access to whatever, um, you know we're we're less and less and less patient. But um, the court processes especially that takes time. And everybody's new. Look at how new. Like, Tony's an old-timer, seven yeah. years in the game, right? Literally one of the oldest players in the game at this point. So there's so many people that are, like, a year or two into this. And right. they came into it with pretty much Illinois even having kind of concealed carry. And they're going, how come we only have 50 states with constitutional? You know, they're just at a different place expecting results at a different rate or pace. And I don't disagree with them. I think that things change at different rates, right? We shouldn't expect everything to be at a snail's pace with the internet and awareness and everything. So the question, will 2023 be a good year or a great year? What do you think, Tony, for guns and gun rights? I think we have the same answer for both. Um, it's going to be good for gun rights if you live in a state like mine, because these cases are going to go to court and we're actually going to get carry. I mean, we have carry, and we're going to get these restrictions dropped. So places like California, they're losing a mag ban. Like, in the states already affected that are anti-gun, it's going to be a good year. Everybody else, they're going to see their rights attacked um, in those states. And those, those cases are going to lose, too. But it's going to have to be put into effect and then go to court. So they're going to have their wins in 2024 of the new stuff that people are looking at now. You know what I mean? The different states that are looking at ways to counter Bruin. That's going to happen. They're going to pass stuff because, like, Illinois, they lost. Uh, the Republicans lost, right? In that state. So they're going to have anti-gun stuff pushed there. And then those losses in court are going to happen in 2024. So, yeah, it's going to be a good year for some. As far as guns, I think every year is a great year, mainly because we're in the golden age and stuff just keeps getting better and better for us. I, I really think it is. Um, just cooler guns, uh, less expensive guns. It, it's like at this point, you can pretty much build a decent AR. I mean, get a decent AR, buy it stock for around $800. And that price for just a good AR, a solid AR, used to be like $1,200. So I think all that's going down is becoming easier. Uh, 3D printers are getting cheaper. It's becoming more mainstream with things like Edgar runs over at uh, Guns for Everyone. Uh, when they started funding, you know, uh, competitions where not only do you build a gun, but you shoot the firearm in competition. The all Maker's Match will be third year this yeah. year. Maker's Match. Yeah, that's it. I, I think all of that is contributing to make it really good or it's not great because the technology is cheaper. And more widespread. I think it's uh, it's hard to see the future for sure, but we've definitely got all the potential in our path. The uh, NAGA will have their convention for the first time. Shot Show is sold out, so the beginning of the year will be a sold out Shot Show with everybody who went last year understanding the new show because they last year was the first year that we went to the new building and the double entrances and the experiencing you have to walk a lot more and there's more to see in the pace and everything 
it's clear in the playing field. So nobody can say like, I know SHOT Show. It's, it's new for everybody. And it'll be probably double the size or it'll feel like double the amount of people in there because everybody who is a scared or too much of a wimp to go last year is going to definitely jump on and try to you know catch up. So it'll start the year with a, an, an, a rush of stuff. The sheep show, which hadn't happened for a couple of years in the hunting realm, is happening. I'm assuming that means that the safari clubs and the other hunting ones, I haven't put them in my calendar to verify, but I'm assuming the hunting realm will be going. Competition shooting was already going, but there's more and more people in competition shooting. So, you know, that's that's running. Um, but then the Pennsylvania thing is is back. You know, everything is back. So I can see um, a lot of the people, like I guess I was just saying, the people that are new having something to do. They were new and they got into guns during, let's just say, the chaos and the cha and the the challenges and uh, most of the events had been canceled or postponed or moved. Now you've got events all happening. People will be able to participate. And then I guess I was going to also add, like, think of the reaction. Like you say, the Makers Match, third year now, uh, the different organizations that had been either offline or had to postpone their national stuff are all coming back. You got the education stuff like Ambassador Academy and KD and uh, the complete combatant and the girl in a gun and the other big level great get togethers. As soon as you start to add something, well, they've already added rights to their agendas and to their curriculums, I guess I should say. So if you add something like 3D printing or awareness of serialization or 18 year olds, you know, you put the, the, the infrastructures are there. Now it's just a matter of what they decide to focus on and and I think once we start to see those in those infrastructures, those layers of our community, of our industry, where our industry and our community blend, where that's like training and in, in, in development of guns and stuff, like with all those interfaces, as those start to change, I'm going to say rapidly, I think it'll be rapidly for most of us or comparatively rapidly to the last few years. I think once we all start to see those changes happen, People like Walk the Talk America and others of that type will be adding the important stuff, mental health awareness, suicide prevention, uh, things like that. So we're going to be taking away the ignorance and the unawareness that they've depended on on the anti side. So at the same time that we're going to be flying along at a record pace, I think that the way that we're going to be going along at this record pace will be very uh adaptive to or if not already including all of these social issues so as we get larger as an industry it's not like we then have to figure out how to bring along social issues with us we're going to the new gun community gets larger with the social issues as part of it embedded into it and that takes not only does it let us grow exponentially more diverse and not just larger but like better but then it takes every step in our lar getting larger is taking away from their their resource, their pool of people that are ignorant, their like dependence on ignorance, and then the what do you call like precedence of gun people not working together. The way we got to where we are is because the only people that bothered to own guns were big fat old white guys because they never stopped owning guns. Everybody else was quiet about their ownership of guns. Everybody's always owned guns. It was just only okay to let 
big fat old white guys talk about their guns. Everybody else had to keep their guns to themselves. So now that everybody's sharing it, it's it's we got the potential for it to be. I think uh, I don't know if I want to just call it exponential, but I think it'll kind of interwoven. Maybe that's the way to say it. Like I think rights and awareness are part of the new gun culture. So as it grows, we just become stronger and well, I'm repeating myself, but we take away their ability to or what they've used historically to attack us. Tony's talked about it. They have to hide behind lies and like hiding behind the term gun safety now. And we're taking that away effectively in big chunks. Like we're not just nibbling anymore. We're, we're in some ways we're taking that away with like faster saves lives and and uh, kids safe, right? NSSF child safe, even though I don't like it. We're taking that stuff away in chunks where Eddie the Eagle was like, you know, slowly licking to the center of the lollipop consistently. But, you know, they only were the only ones doing it. Now we've got multiple people doing it, competing with each other to do it. Definitely. We're going to beat them down. We're winning. We just had to keep it up. And uh, and support the people that are doing that, that, support the drill bits that are doing the chiseling. And it's, it's, it's I get it, it's frustrating. I, I started out in 2012 advocating. Um, grassroots, writing the letters, and then a lot of the guys out there that I see and have seen over the last decade, something wakes them up. Something activates them. They somehow get red-pilled. And they want things to change right now because now they're aware of what's happening. And they're like, well, all you have to do is everyone has to participate. And I'm like, yeah, well, welcome to the party, pal. That's what we've been trying to do to get everyone to participate. So understand, when you woke up, you have to, that's not, that wasn't a wake-up call for everyone. That was yours. We have to continue this fight until other people can wake up. We have to reach out and maybe even shake other people a little bit and get them to open their eyes. We can't make them see the things we, the way we see it, but they have to wake up. They have to see it. It's a long-term fight. You're not going to do nothing but collect wins. It's like, you know, you're going to take some losses. It's going to take longer than you think it should. It's going to be frustrating. Yes, we're being lied to and manipulated, but it still has to go through the court system. It still has to go through all the steps. Yeah, I know it sucks because it's a lie, but that's the way it has to be because there's no way we can stop it. People have freedom of speech, too, and they're free to go on social media and tell lies. Dude, where did and you social with? media companies. What was that? Where did you come up with? Uh, hey, now what'd you say? You said uh, it's when you awoke, not when everyone awoke. Like, where did that come from? Is that something you just came up with, or is that from someplace? No, that's something I came up with because I've been saying it since a lot of the newer guys came in. Let's say they came into the thing in 2018, 2019. And the first thing they said in 2020 when you found out that more minorities and women are buying guns than ever before is, well, these people need to start becoming advocates. And I'm like, well, how long did you own a firearm before you became an advocate? Because I know there's a 20-year gap between when I purchased my first gun and actually a 30-year gap between buying my first gun and actively becoming a Second Amendment activist, like doing you know, something besides having a membership. I don't know if it's necessarily just for activists, because some people will go, well, I'm an observer. Other people active 
right? I just watch and I support or I participate or I watch or whatever, you know, I'm well, whatever, right? So some people go, I'm not the activist, but I think it's the, uh, the, the that, that, that element that you just that you said there that it's when when you wake up to it and that's i think everyone has this and maybe i'm maybe it's not everyone but i think a lot of people when they wake up to like hey we're being abused this is unfair this is unjust i think it's the tendency to think it your light came on with everybody else's light or that everyone else saw the same light switch flip off so then you're a, and then you start talking to people who have seen the light let's say who understand that there's that and you just assume that you know at some point they all just uh flip the switch or whatever and then you start getting I guess frustrated that others aren't flipping that that switch isn't flipping for them and that's something that i think a lot I think of people, a lot of people well, what happened there i think a lot of people end up uh getting frustrated and 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 eventually stopping their fight because they figure they're ineffective or they're not able no one else is is interested and anyway i think that's an interesting interesting yeah i get to observe it doing this because again i've watched them people become aware they go in full of energy wanting to make a change they're really outspoken online and then when they don't see anyone join them in the golf clap, you know what I mean? And, and, and like, it's not. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to do this again. Yeah. Nobody else started the wave. Nobody else joined you doing the wave in the stands, dude. And it sucks because you have this, this feeling of injustice and you're going to fight it. And everybody else should see it because you just saw this. Look at this thing. This is BS. And it's not happening. And sometimes, sadly, some people go to session extreme. They start saying crazy things. Like <laughs> somebody said on a post yesterday of mine. Well, you know, all these treacherous politicians, they have home addresses. I'm just saying we know where they live. And I'm like, you need to pump the brakes. That's not how we go about making this change. And that's not how we go about being seen as reasonable people um that makes you seem like an extremist that's not something you need to say on social media and i'm not going to co-sign on to it on my page you know what i mean there's nothing in it for me to be seen as an extremist that's making veiled threats against politicians lives because truthfully the individual politician isn't important the no, end of the politicians. What was that? The politicians. Yeah, we're getting, yeah, we're getting super fights and fights and something. Because I don't know if you're going out or I'm going out. I can't. I can't. Gun control movement that needs to be killed off. The politicians will come and go. Yeah, I don't. I don't give a damn about the individual politician. Uh, yeah, I don't like what Murphy did, but he's gonna just be political fodder anyway eventually because he thinks he's gonna actually run for president and have some kind of success. 
So he's going to become politically irrelevant probably uh, three to four years. I guess I was saying that politicians would love everyone to think that they're the big deal or they're the thing that matters when, when really they're just the, the what do you call it? Like, what do you call it? Like the indicator, indicator of what's been to it's done. Or like the perform. Yeah, they're the latest, they're the latest puppet. They're the latest sock puppet. After they're gone, there'll be another one. So yeah, I don't I don't care about that individual. But if we, we move the needle enough, to all of a sudden, like in the state of New Jersey, the Democratic Party gets nervous going, yo, we'll lose some seats and some votes or we'll lose some primaries if we keep on this pro-gun control thing, especially after Assemblyman uh, John Blackcode McKeon uh, said the whole thing about not wanting people who live in the inner cities to be able to get carry permits and the reason he said it is because there's an urban area and there are minorities that live in this and mostly minority communities. Well, you can't well, say that. Don't don't make make oh, we don't want them to get the guns and you're not really concerned about them being able to get it because it's too expensive. Not really. And it's like, no, really. And then he doubles down on it by saying back in uh, the day when the Bill of Rights were signed, only rich people had handguns. It's like that's not true at all. Well, there was well, there was some of the things that would, that would uh, uh, list specific guns. guns I guess I guess they have that required resources, resources to purchase purchase. Yeah, but I mean, if you had the choice between buying a handgun or buying a rifle or shotgun, well, you bought the long arm because it was more versatile, depending on where you did. But I don't think it had like a different cost because I mean, more barrel, more everything, more resources went into making the long gun. It's not like they had manufacturers that this rolled off the assembly line and you had the volume, the economy of volume. These things are still handmade. In most cases, a bias Smith and his apprentice. Yeah, well, yeah, well, at that point, we're Okay, so okay, DJ's so DJ's question, question is, is when will the will industry, industry? Hold on, Tony, hold on, you, got Tony you got a mute. Oh, sorry. I don't know, like something changed or if, uh, what happened, but yeah, we're getting. I don't know if Clover said anything while you're. Yeah, know, he's using. Anyway. I've stayed muted just so I could we could figure out what was going on. I pretty much knew it wasn't me, but if he's using speakerphone or something, something might might have gotten weird. Gotten weird on Tony. Yeah, I think so because it, the volume keeps changing. Um, I just pulled up at the house, so I'm gonna put it on mute, go in, and go on and on the inside computer. Right on, right. On. I was gonna say uh, we're at 90 minutes, but I don't think anybody cares if we go a little bit long today, since you know, unless you guys got plans. Yeah, I'm fine. Let's go. We still got so, questions. The DJ saying are asking when the industry when will the industry respond to the need for more Flaubert chambered handguns? <laughs> That's funny. So what's well Flaubert just means like tiny? Is that the four millimeter or does that just mean twenty two short short? Yeah, I think there's a four millimeter, the four and a six, isn't there or something? I forget. Flaubert means like basically uh, a primer with a projectile. Well, I mean, the word Flaubert, I thought it meant, I think it's the guy's name, and then it kind of became the word for gallery gun, like an indoor, I guess in Europe, they 
make subcaliber guns that they shoot indoors. They'll put like a barrel liner yeah. inside of their gun and shoot a, their regular gun indoors. And I think the flow bears, like you say, are like four or six millimeters and they're so I don't think they're pin fire. They're not really they're kind of rim fire, I guess, but they look weird. But uh yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And that's one of those things. Get rid of the NFA, because I think with the 3D printing, small mills, you know, that mill uh, defense distributed makes a small mill that's like the size of a printer, not like a regular yeah. printer, not a 3D printer, but like a regular paper printer. Yeah. So uh, you put a piece of metal in there, you put the code in, you walk away and it whittles out. It's like a little mill with a robot brain that, you know, whittles out whatever you programmed it once those kind of things live in back shops at gun shops and they can just, you know, buy chunks of billet aluminum or billet, whatever. And it, you know, they put it in the machine and type in what you're looking for. I can't imagine why we wouldn't have smaller guns just for fun, like indoor shooting and same reason we have 22s, but you know, again, I, I, I would think we'd get smaller and smaller stuff just cause it's at some point still, large enough to shoot interest, you know, be interesting and fun to shoot, but still so small that it would be almost insignificant for cost compared to some of the other stuff. Or do you think that 22s will just stay dominant and 22 small enough? I think, I think 22s is going to be hard to, be hard to get rid of. I mean, they've got the manufacturing process for it down so much and, you know, it's so universal and you, cause you got to realize, I mean, get anything else you're talking about it having to become commonplace for chambering and and your tooling and just all of your other stuff and so it's it's going to be be hard to overcome that i mean anything other than like a novelty type thing like you're talking about one-offs or small batch runs well i could just see you know they've got um the tactical games where they basically do almost like crossfit with with competition shooting and then there's cowboy action shooting has been around for quite a while now where they dress up like cowboys and uh, shoot western well western theme but still kind of competition fast shooting then there's the um well i'm looking at a sign for or a patch we did for a while back for a, a thing where they almost cosplay but they basically dress up like uh uh heavy armor and then but like real armor not like whatever, you know, like body armor and stuff. And then they'll do competition shoots with all this body armor. It's not quite like the CrossFit exercises, like the tactical games, but it's, you know, another level beyond just like IDPA or IPSC. So anyway, there's these extremes in shooting sports and stuff. So that's where I'm wondering if there won't just be, you know, somewhere between air gun and 22, I guess, you know, a place for people that go, I still want to shoot a, you know, powder, but, you know, I wanted to just, I don't know, be smaller or yeah. I don't know what the need for being well there's small. such a gap something well the the gap has been bridged so much with air guns since you brought that up I mean you're talking and there's about 17 you know, there's already 30 there caliber 50 caliber. caliber air guns you know have, have bridged into you know into the center fire world and it was just the, that technology and everything has advanced so much now that you, know, you can't discount that too if somebody's wanting something I mean air gun the airsoft world that sort of thing I mean, there's a lot of different options out there available. Are we still echoing? I don't hear an echo. So, uh, DJ, and if you're listening to this, make sure you got the little red live thing clicked. You can get clicked and be listening to this like a 10-second, 10 10-minute 10 delay sometimes. So when you look at it in the live stream down at the bottom next to the volume, there should be a little live, and it should be red. 
And if it's not, click on it, and that'll take you to where we are currently in the conversation. So DJ's asking, can I use powder for reloading if it is old? And I'm not sure. I think he's just asking random questions at this point. But uh, I'd be skeptical. I'm not much of a reloader, but I wouldn't. Is it what? What's the real answer? Oh, I would absolutely. As a matter of fact, I got powder sitting over there that's probably 30 years old, and I would not have a problem using it. Okay, because um, I think it degrades after time. So the, but my issue would be that at some point it's not going to have enough oomph to it would give you a squib or something like it's not. It only degrades if it's. Thing. It only degrades if it's not kept well. So if you you know if you keep it, you know, cool, you know, dry, dark. Um, well, okay, so I'm and thinking, in, and they're in, and they're in. They're dark is easy to do because they're most of everything modern is in you know even the older stuff was in a metal can lights not getting through to that and then uh also uh the newer stuff is the black you know plastic jugs or whatever typically so you know, you you're thinking of if you bought it and you had it i guess i was thinking if you found it at a gun shop or a gun show i'd yeah i probably would because who knows if it was in a shed or if it was yeah, in the back no, of the or if it was yeah. in the sun yeah yeah but i but i'll i'll take it a step I further and I've got stuff over there, like I said, it's 30 years old that I would, I'd go load some stuff up right now with it. It would not bother me one bit. Um, that and it goes open. down. It doesn't get that more has been, powerful. That the seal has been broken on, right? That's the other thing for 30 years, and I'll still use it. Um, well, the worst so, yeah. that'll happen is it'll get, it'll get old and less powerful or wet and less powerful. But it's not like it gets old and more powerful like some dynamite or more dangerous well like getting dynamite. wet getting moisture in it right and getting wet for smokeless powder is it almost completely kills it um that's what i mean so you could use about it, it a change. Right. if it got wet and dried it might look right and you'd use it and then nothing that's would happen you wouldn't even get a yeah. squib right? yeah you've got a lot of chemistry a lot of chemical composition going on with smokeless powder now if you've got true black powder and it gets wet you can lay that out on a cookie sheet in the sun and whatever and let it dry really good and load it up and it's, it's negligible if anything the difference you're going to notice right but that's black powder uh, totally different different chemical composition and everything else uh, there's not a lot of chemistry going on with black powder traditional black powder uh, but no, it's smoke literally with, like smoke three lizard. elements mushed together in different ratios like slightly different ratios to give you a different burn time or something right what is that black powder yeah, like I was watching a channel and they, I mean, you, yeah, or no, it was, you mix it and then you, you either put it through a, a this size screen or that size screen. And mm -hmm. if it's through yeah. this size screen, it'll burn yeah. faster than if it's through that size. It's like really yeah. big. Yeah. Anything, anything, I mean, your flash powders, if you're talking about like a, uh, like a flintlock, right? That uses a flash pan where the, the phrase comes flash in a pan, right? Like the pan goes off, but the firearm doesn't, the rifle doesn't. Um, but you're, your uh, flash powder that sets off the main charge typically is a lot finer powder than what you use for your uh, for your main charge right in the in the breech in the barrel for black powder so um, you know it's typically going to be three or four f in the uh, uh, in the barrel and then uh, you know seven eight f something like that as a as a flash powder. So regular sugar in the pout in the barrel and powder sugar in the yeah kind of yeah 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 so but yeah also a, also the composition though makes a difference like the sulfur um, you basically got uh, uh, 
charcoal, sulfur, and saltpeter, right, for black powder, essentially. Um, it's a little more complex than that, but sulfur can change your uh, uh, flashpoint on it, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yep. And that's where guns can be, well, it's not science in a lot of ways, but there can be chemistry and then applied well, chemistry, so be, more than just like chemistry, but like taking and doing stuff with the chemistry. Yeah. And that's just the powders. Well, and, and, you know, think of like fireworks, right? Like, you know, you can add other chemicals that will get you a colored explosion. You, if you add magnesium, for example, uh, and you put that in a firecracker or something, right? You're going to get a flash. You're going to get a pop, and then you're going to get a flash as well because of the magnesium. And then you can add other chemicals to color the flash. So that's where we get fireworks and stuff from. It's, it's all yeah, and that's, composition that's of the powder. Talking on the Saturday, on the Christmas Eve, uh, mm -hmm. creamer, like powder, powdered creamer for a coffee or whatever is a good one. Uh, like high C juice type of stuff. Um, flour, I guess. There's some different powders. Uh, and go take a fire next time you do a campfire or a fireplace or something, and nobody's going to have a fit about it. But you throw a handful or some spoonful, whatever, figure out the size you can throw that's appropriate at your fire. And when you throw it at the fire in a big cloud, it'll catch fire and poof into a flame. And, you know, like uh, three different kinds of creamer will have different stuff in them or like, yeah. you know, different kind of powders from the kitchen you throw into a fire. And like you're saying, the different chemical, it's the root of it will yeah. blow into a different, you know, let yellow flame or a green flame. And yeah. yeah, you find the two or three inexpensive things. You could have a lot of fun at a campfire with little kids or just people that don't know that. And you just give well, everybody a handful of creamer and you throw it at the fire. It's like magic. Everybody loves yeah. it. And it kind of smells yeah. a little bit bad, but there's almost no danger. So when you when you talk about binary, right, Tannerite, I call it binary because Tannerite's a brand. But uh, when you talk about that, you know, you mix the two things together and you put it up and you shoot it. For the longest time now, and of course, I've got a buddy that's a licensed pyrotechnic guy. But, um, you know, I keep the stuff to make my own here. Um, and what's cool about that is you can, you can do exactly what you're saying, but with magnesium and some of the other things, depending on how you mix it, I can then mix it, take it out, shoot it. And when it goes, boom, it has a different color flash. So, uh, can be, can be pretty cool. And it's interesting that in the little signal cannon would be cool too. To, to oh yeah, style. it's true. Yeah. 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 Totally. Okay. So we have a poll going best gun to give is a gift and the options are a custom engraved derringer set you know in the nice little wooden box with the velvet and all that or a custom engraved lever action carbine on some kind of a nice wooden stand or something uh maybe uh uh rnl displays uh, state stand uh, or a custom engraved revolver usually those come in a nice wooden box and a nice carpeted leather or suede or something deal with maybe a coin or some rounds or something or a custom engraved 1911 and that i've seen come a couple of different ways so what would y'all pick if you're giving somebody a gift which of these custom engraved guns are you given and i'll let you guys chat for a bit i like Great. the i like the derringer set idea it's kind of cool See, <clears throat> yeah, I'm looking at it, right? And I like uh, the 1911. I, I, I dig the 1911 uh, setup. Mainly because I want one. 
<laughs> followed by the lever action carbine, then the Derringer set. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see the revolver there too. Yeah, to me, Derringer, the Derringer set is definitely a wall hanger. But everything else, I'd shoot it because I'm insane. I just believe in shooting the guns that you have. That's why I have this really shiny gold-plated, <laughs> you know what I mean? Gold-plated trigger, gold-plated hammer, uh, really polished 686. Yeah, you know, I've got a couple that are new in the box. Um, but that's different, right? I ended up, I, and it wasn't intentional, but I ended up getting a really good deal on something that, and this is part of being an opportunistic buyer. And I always really have been with my with my firearms, but I got a really good deal on them, uh, and did not realize what I got at the time. I knew it was a good deal, but I didn't know how good of a deal. And it turns out they were highly collectible, <laughs> limited edition uh, well, sort of stuff. And so, yeah. like, I, I couldn't, I, I I can't do it. Well, that's different, in my opinion, because what you have yeah. is an heirloom quality investor. Investment, right? Yeah, uh, that's different. That's if, if you had the million dollar mover, uh -huh. but I will say this actually, uh, so I, shoot that. <laughs> I will say this. Well, here's the thing it's like we, I think we talked about this earlier. If you, if you have something, even if it's collectible, if it's been fired before, yeah, like. Keep it in good shape. Don't beat it around. Shoot it, but then clean it or whatever. Like putting a few more rounds to it, right? If it's had hundreds of rounds through it in the past, like putting a few more rounds through it a year is not going to be the end of the world, right? Yeah. Just make uh -huh. sure you, you clean it. You keep it in, in good shape. If it's never been fired, that's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole different thing, and that affects the value. I mean, it can knock it down significantly. And – and when I say never been fired, I mean outside of the factory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, also, I mean, you have the things that you pick it up and uh, it has patina on it and some age. You don't clean it. No, you know what I mean? No, no. It's, it's like, yes, I have this, this firearm from the mid-1800s. But it was all, you know, had rust on it and had coloring. I so I blasted it and circuited it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I sandblasted it and reblued it. So it, it looks much better now. Yeah, it's like, oh, that sucks, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, and, and people, I see people do that with, with old stuff. They don't get the patina thing. It drives them absolutely insane. And I like patina. I, you know, there are, you can actually, there are people out there that, Actually, refinish. We'll refinish old guns with that type of patina. Yeah, I, I find it funny um, because if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not your fault. You know, you, you right. just wanted to clean up Granddad shotgun, right. not understanding that that domestic barrel, you know, <laughs> right. uh, Lefevre, <laughs> Lefevre. That you yes. And there's a difference. There's a difference between knocking the rust surface rust off and completely stripping the patina finish there's a there's it's a different thing and sometimes yeah. in removing the rust you will take a little bit of the patina off that will happen too so i'm just going to go check something real quick but is that your fault for stripping it off or grandpa's fault for not telling you not to strip it off or his, or his fault for like getting it or somebody's fault for letting it get rusty in the first place where you have to 
try to clean it like that. Yeah, well, other sometimes people don't take things, uh, understand the value of things. Well, um, and sometimes it's just utilitarian. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a lot well, of the but, firearms but then, I've got were, were cheap firearms back in the day. They're kind of rare. You don't see them very often now. But they were, you know, cheap farm store, whatever firearms back in the day that were totally utilitarian. Somebody went in there, they bought them, they used them, right? They got thrown around backseat of the truck or the tractor or the whatever it was, right? And, you know, they it wasn't that they weren't taken care of, but you're talking about people that that uh, bought firearms to use those firearms, not just, you know, go to the well, range sure. and have fun, right? And so, so no, that's a whole different situation. So let's say that you're young and you buy a gun for use and then time goes on, the company goes out of business, you bought one that was rare or whatever, uh, something happened with it, it became famous in a movie, they made the hand solar blaster out of it, you know, something happens. Now it's you're old, you're passing that thing along or you're just telling stories. That's what I'm saying. Like, isn't it some obligation yeah. to realize like, hey, I'm passing this on to my grandkids I'm doing them a disservice if I don't tell them, like, hey, this might be my old tool, but wow, these are very valuable. This is a thousand dollars. There's some old thirty-five dollar right. guns back in the day that are a thousand dollars today. So well, that said, your grandkids aren't necessarily going to sit down and go, "Let me listen on cue when I'm supposed to," right? Like that's never going to happen. But we have the internet, so that just made me think. As I was kind of thinking about what you're talking about there. We, you got the potential to do a video about every gun you own, whether or not you post it on YouTube or not. You put that in with your spreadsheet that keeps track of how much you paid for them and what they're worth and which gun shop they should take them to or which friend of yours is you know, the most interested in it. And it should go to him and he'll give you a good price for it. I don't want to get dire, but you know what I'm saying? Like you could do a video and like to for the generation, maybe it's your grandkids who are just barely waking up to everything who ended up with these things and you get that generation that skips the knowledge you can bypass that a lot of times now you can leave a video with them and oh now i know all about these things i think that's great if it gets passed down um because you'd have to put that work in now my grandfather or great grandfather actually world war one veteran came back and he had some swords from the great war um had them in the house i never met the man you know what i mean i i never met him i my grandmother and my great-grandmother and my great aunt were the women that raised me in that house so those swords were just something i wasn't supposed to touch and they were propped up by the dresser as just a thing in the corner I mean, it might as well have been in an umbrella stand. You know what I mean? That was just a thing. We could pick it up. It was heavy. I didn't understand the worth of that until I discovered that he was overseas. He did bring those back from that time frame. And the next time I saw them, my cousins had taken them and ground them down to use them as machete for clearing the garden. And, and it's like, nobody told them the worth. No one told me the worth. I just know you shouldn't destroy something that looked that cool. To them, it was just cheaper to grind that down on a grinding wheel than to go spend $8 on a machete from Home Depot. And 
That's one of one of the things that ticks me off about them because they did that to everything. Like nothing held a value to them because they got it for free. And they just went through and destroyed like a lot of different things that were really awesome in my, you know, because it came from that generation. Isn't so that's the story of like literally everything, like the highways, like the government, yeah. like literally everything is like everything. Take it for granted and trash it and then us the older folks i guess us whoever the older folks are you know trying to go yeah you might not want to throw that away well, see, that's the thing. we were the same age and i'm like bro that belonged to somebody else so it's like why why did you well we just needed a machete and then it just was like you know what i'm gonna stop speaking to these people <laughs> and then that actually helped save our relationship um but hey, listen, it worked out really well. I just found out last week they burned the house to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so everything that we held dear that was in the house, yeah, the whole thing is gone now. Well, going back to the question then, so best gun to give as a gift. I walked away to go pee. What did you guys oh. pick? Uh, Derringer, lever gun, revolver, or 1911? I went Derringer. I went 1911. I don't know. I, I don't know where I came up with this question. I was just looking for a question that had something to do with gift giving, I guess. And I couldn't think of guns to give. I think a Derringer is, I'm trying to think, is like what you might give somebody who is going to maybe set it on their like desk at work or something or like look at them. The lever carving, I think, would be like in commemoration for or after like a hunt, maybe a, somebody's first hunt or like a special hunt or a big deal. Like they had good time on that hunt, you know, something about a hunt, the revolver. Hmm. And then the 1911, I was thinking the only thing I could ever envision giving somebody in 1911, if I didn't serve with them and I was, they were super old or like saying, thank you for your service to somebody super older, way older than us really, um, would be just to somebody you really knew. Like I'm trying to think of like somebody like Ellis or somebody who just would probably dig it and then i think i would not so much engrave it like ornate as much as just engrave it like you know for the person maybe skulls or you know whatever it is that they're into but uh so i think as a gift i think in other words i guess some of them are more practical i think the derringer or maybe the revolver but even the revolver i don't those are more commemorative so unless somebody was like really into john wayne or something I think the Derringer you can have the most fun with. And it's like Clover was saying, if you wanted to shoot it, it's not like you're going to ruin the value of some Derringers by actually shooting them. All right, so we're at two hours. Should we keep going or wrap it up? This is up to you guys. Uh, I'm chilling. Still have a couple more. Run through the start with it least yeah as i say we got a couple more here so the next one from dj is why isn't there a one point i don't know what this means like a one caliber one rifle inch caliber basically yeah um and then i'll just also say for anybody that's listening let us know if you got more questions if we miss something i've got these five starred ones here you can see what i'm looking at on the screen um let us know otherwise so uh, yeah we'll start wrapping it up when we get to the end of the questions here live We've always got ones coming into the website. That's what this is all about. Now, we don't obviously have a sense of urgency as, as far as answering those things. I figure if somebody has a real sense of urgency, they're going to call a gun shop or somebody. But uh, we do appreciate the questions, and we'll kind of ramble through those each Saturday. I'm going to close that window. And uh, 
I guess I'll mention the results to the poll is that everybody's pick in 1911 along with Tony. Uh, then Revolver came in second with 24%, and then Derringer and Lever Carving are both coming in third at 18%. So, like I said, I don't know where I came up with that question. I just kind of came up with it as I was looking for a question. So if anybody's got a better question to ask, we can use the poll feature for the end of the show here. I'll end this one now. And uh, throw it back to you guys with DJ's question. Why isn't there a one-inch caliber rifle? Quick answer is typically you know, pretty much anything above, well, with exception of smooth bores, uh, anything above a 50 is unfortunately classified as a destructive device. So that's a real quick answer to that. Uh, but then the uh, slightly longer answer would be the challenges with uh, just recoil management and everything from that cartridge and the amount of powder it would take to get it out the barrel and that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's a reason you're not launching billiard balls down the range. Um, it's called physics <laughs> to get <laughs> to get that round going. Yeah, I don't remember which law of motion it is, right? But it's one of them for every action there's equal and opposite reaction. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's number thirteen. Yeah. Fig whatever. Newton's thirteenth law of motion. <laughs> but yeah, you're one hundred percent right. Um, yeah, there's a reason for that. Plus, I mean, the effectiveness, listen, they figured out how to stop elephants. They came up with that, and it was still wasn't, what, 577 nitro or 500 nitro? And that's dropping charging elephants. So, yeah, no one needed another half inch. Now we're getting into cannon. That's great points. And then picking up that thing. I've uh, The biggest ones I'm used to seeing are M1 or M2s that... 50 caliber Marduz. which is a half an inch right mm -hmm. and then the whatever the russian dushka or whatever it is the russian yeah. equivalent which is actually bigger physically yeah. so the barrels and the guns themselves they can make them smaller but they just become very heavy so the amount of well, barrel weight and everything you'd need to put it on something like a sled or wheels or something to carry it. and you've got you've got an issue so too when you're talking about um you know, when you're talking about some type of a muzzle loading device, when you're talking about a cannon or even a muzzle loader, right? There's 68 caliber. Uh, I've even seen 72 and 70 something caliber uh, muzzle loaders before. So, with that, you're pouring the powder in, right? And then you're pushing the ball and you're packing all of that down. So, that's a much different situation than a cartridge. So, if you was to think that, okay, I've got this big honking cartridge and okay well what if we took the cartridge and we made it shorter but it was wider right so it was one inch but instead of being four inches long it's only two inches long right um the problem is that a lot of people don't realize is that round is sitting horizontally uh, you know when you're firing from a normal firing position it's at least somewhat horizontal right so depending on your powder charge and stuff, you've got cross burn is a real thing where your powder will ignite instead of it going from back to forward as far as the explosion, the ignition, it burns up and down. And when you do that, there can be some pretty catastrophic failures. Yeah, like the that. longer so, or the more powder you got, the longer it'll take the to burn and the right. more room there is for it to be in. So how do you unless you put some kind of honeycomb of metal in there for it to 
have to burn from here through there on some kind of path. Yeah, you'd have to either shoot it straight up like a mortar or deal with essentially the powder kind of pushing the ball up instead of well, the mortar. I, I think a little bit of the confusion or or maybe um not confusion, but but because we're using one inch. So let's use millimeter and it brings it all into perspective. It's 25 millimeters. Those guns are wheeled guns for the most part, or really, really large anti-material, or they're mounted on something like the Bushmaster. You know what I'm saying? So that's the size of firearm you need to launch 25 millimeter pills downrange. So that that's why. I mean, there there is a 25, there is a one inch or above caliber, but usually they're mounted to something. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't think of the weight. Right? <clears throat> People are thinking about the the bore diameter mm-hmm. but then when you take that bore diameter and then you have to build a uh let's just say aerodynamic projectile right for that for that caliber uh it's going to have some length to the projectile you've got all of that volume right which then if you're talking about metallic which is you know typically going to be lead or whatever um and the weight i mean the weight that you're trying to the bigger you go in caliber the more weight you're you're adding to that uh and it takes a lot to get that you're right to get that down the barrel i mean you're talking about even in in a 50 you know you're talking about you know 700 grain bullets 700 yeah most of your mm-hmm. military is like 649 uh but you know you you get up into seven 750s pretty easily with that you know and that's a heavy that's a heavy, heavy thing to be chunking down. I mean, take a, if you get a 50 caliber projectile, gun show, whatever, pick up one one day, just go out in the yard and throw that thing, right? Like, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's a big difference between winging that sucker out across the yard and, and winging, a, you know, a 308 or a, you know, 556 five, or something. It's just. You can throw a softball part, then you can throw a 50 BMG projectile, I bet. Uh, Probably, yeah. You know, Probably. ball or something because you can hold it more. Yeah, true. Yeah. But uh, also, if you had a slingshot, you'd never be able to get a 50 BMG probably past the end of the slingshot. You know, it'd hit you in the hand or something. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah. Oh, you're, you're, pretty big. You're, talk, you're talking about the entire cartridge? No, 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 just the projectile. I mean, but like there's, a lot of, there's a lot of weight. I mean, you know, 650, 750 grain, that's a heavy... Heavy projectile. You're talking yeah, I mean, about it's like the kind of rock you got a mortar in a split. You're talking about ten times. You know, you, you don't think about it. You think, okay, fifty caliber. People look at it this way, right? They'll they'll say, okay, two twenty three. That's two two four diameter. Uh, you know, fifty caliber. You know, whatever five hundred one diameter, whatever. So roughly twice, right? Mm-hmm. Roughly twice the size. But the projectiles are ten times as heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you went from you know a two two three. <laughs> Right. Two, two, three, which is fifty-five grain, fifty-five yeah. grain to doubling it. It's like, yeah, that's that's. <laughs> yeah, you're going yeah. at a five hundred diameter with seven hundred fifty grain. So yeah, you're, you're more than ten times the weight. You know, even though by you're doubling, doubling the caliber. The diam- yeah, and by doubling how you the, do the math, yeah. but and what you'd be shooting something that big at, it would be too big for most stuff because it's just too much energy displaced out there to be effective. Yeah. I mean. It would just be a waste of efficiency or it would hurt whatever. You're not going to hunt with that. But yeah. um, well, it's, it's cracking walnuts. It's cracking walnuts with a five pound sledgehammer. And, 
yeah exactly it's smashing the nut so you don't you wouldn't do it for much of anything other than to say you could do it but i was just going to say like even to get something in a straight line that's that big you got to put a considerable amount of powder behind it it has to be so big to be able to work in the gun you know because it has to be that diameter you can't have it be like a frisbee it has to be some kind of round thing or a projectile and once right. it becomes that big you got to have some amount of powder to get any kind of you know actual consistent shot yeah. out of it whether or not well, you just put energy downrange just to get it downrange like it's going to be a bunch of powder when you get one inch around you know like a flashlight worth of powder and when you're talking about like smoothbore you're talking about like shotgun right Mm-hmm. So that's a scatter gun. So it's a much different situation, but you've got the diameter to allow for a, a bigger shot payload. But when you're talking about a shot payload, keep this in mind too, that even though you've got like a, what is it like 729 or 721 or something bore diameter on a 12 gauge, a, an ounce of shot, you know, because of the space, because you've got spherical shot, and you're going to have space in that shot column. You're going to have air and space in there. Um, but because of that, one ounce of a 12-gauge shot compared to the 50 BMG, which is a smaller bore diameter, right? The the 12-gauge is the larger bore diameter, but in one ounce of shot, you're only getting like, what, 420 or 30 grains? Mm-hmm. Something like that? I load all yeah. my shotgun shells in a complete vacuum so that there is no air between the pellets. <laughs> or you could just use buffer like a normal yeah. person well, yeah. whatever yeah that's my i've joked i've joked that it's not in my wheel or anything but i've joked that that's what i want to do with my ashes like nice. load me up as buffer in some shotgun shells and like literally like everybody can keep one and put it on a shelf or something if they want but like literally go out and shoot clays with me that'd be awesome there you go like your foot goes flying off and your one eyeball, no way. Oh, and I'll oh. put it all oh, in yeah. or something. Definitely put it in birdshot and somebody uses it to shoot some freaking body breaking into the house in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> Clover That's spends awesome. eternity planning somebody's butt cheek. Butt. Yeah, it's true. I didn't think about that. Have to rethink that, but hey, you know what? Here's the thing though they could do that with buckshot or something, right? And what that would be an awesome afterlife to know, but I don't know if there's consciousness in that, right? Like not getting into theological stuff here, but like how cool would that be that you were loaded into a couple of rounds of buckshot that potentially saved a family member's life? I mean, it's kind of weird, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay, I get it. I mean, to me, it'd be really cooler if just, you know, the shotgun, I willed them. (laughs) They're like, that's good enough. (laughs) Hey, remember that shotgun that you picked up? Yeah, I gave it to my cousin, and uh, she she was able to stalk stalk her. Uh, So, thanks. Right. Hey, Clover, you know inmate 76394? Yeah. Uh, half of your remains are in his left butt cheek. <laughs> now you get to follow time. him around. You get to follow him around like the ghost of Christmas past and yell at him in prison. <laughs> That'd, be awesome. That'd be awesome. So DJ's next question is, what does ACP stand for in like 45 ACP or 380 ACP or 25 ACP, etc.? Automatic Colt Pistol. 
Yep. And I don't know. It, it, I don't ever. Heard, I don't think I've ever heard a story behind it. I just assume because Colt invented, or I mean, uh, well, actually, Browning invented all the calibers. Mm-hmm. So I guess he was working for Colt. I think Colt probably requested those calibers. That's probably what happened. More than I've heard. Time, they would they would go like you know what we need is something, and then they go to ingenious people and say, hey, we need this, and the first one to give it to them. If there was a good patent or whatever, they'd buy it from him. I think that's how it went down. Like they wanted, because eventually he made the 1911, the 1908, and it was in some kind of 38 ACP, right? And they went, oh, the Army wants it in 45, make a new one. Okay, I'll make a 1911. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's also the one that uh, <laughs> they came up with the 50 cal, and then they were like, yeah, we'd like a service uh, caliber. Excuse me, no, he came up with the, they had the 30 out six. And they were like, yeah, we want an anti-tank one, too. And he was like, all right, enhance, enhance, enhance. Here you go. Yeah. Well, zoom, zoom, zoom. I've heard, and it, this is this, it's urban legend type stuff, but a lot of what I hear with the ACP, 45 ACP in particular, was that with the popularity of the 45 Colt, which is a revolver round, that they wanted to be able to distinguish those automatic Colt pistol. That way, you're not talking right. about a revolver round. Forty-five Colt. And there wasn't a confusion. Yeah. Now is what we call uh, rim fire or a uh, yeah a. Uh, and then you eventually deviated where people called it a, called the OG a forty-five long Colt. It's like yeah, it's forty-five Colt, but, but I get what you're saying. I don't know how the long Colt ended up getting in there. Yeah, that that's one of those things that have changed because it wasn't really called that. It was just forty-five Colt, whatever, dude. It, it's funny how things change. Like uh, thirty thirty WCF, and people are like, "What the right. heck does that mean?" It's like Winchester Centerfire, right? Well, actually, it wasn't even thirty thirty. It was just thirty WCF. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah it was thirty WCF, and then uh, it was changed to thirty thirty when other manufacturers carried it because they didn't want to have Winchester on the side of their gun. Well, and then I think it would be confusing because I think people would like even Colts, and we'll say forty-five Colt. Well, I've got a Springfield, I've got a Glock. Like, yeah, well, well, well 45, 45 Colt was that because they had the forty-five Schofield, which was actually a different right uh, length, and you could fire Schofield in the Colt, but you couldn't fire the Colt in Schofield. Right. right, but I'm saying when the caliber is like Smith and Wesson forty, then people are like, "But I own a Ruger, so oh, my Ruger's." Yeah. 40, by, by Ruger 40, oh. or you know what I mean? Like, I think some of that confusion great. they're like, let's call it 30 30. So, so great story. I told this before. I don't know if Tony's heard it or the other people out there. So, we're sitting at a Mexican food restaurant one day, we're eating lunch, it's, it's pretty regular for us. And back in the day, and and they knew the owner really well, this Mexican food restaurant. And we're talking guns, of course, and whatever. And, and you know, he's keys in and he's like, hey, uh, you know. Any of y'all interested in a, a 40 Smith and Wesson? Or like, maybe why you got one you know for sale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, Y'all get done eating. He's like, I got it in the truck. I'm like, okay, like, cool. You know, so we're talking about it. Like, this has been God, this was at least 10, maybe 15 years ago or longer. And uh, eh, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Anyway. Uh and so we're debating. I wonder what it is, you know. Is it an old Ruger P series? Is it you know, what could it be? Wonder if it's a Glock, wonder if the, you know, we're you know tossing it up, right? And so he comes back, you know, over, we get finished eating, and we're like, What you know, what is it? And he's like, 
it's a Smith and Wesson. I'm like, oh, okay, a 40 Smith and Wesson. So that's like some kind of old gen, or maybe it's it's probably SDVE, right, or whatever. And anyway, we're just back and forth with each other on what you know what this Smith and Wesson 40 caliber could be, right? We go out there, and he pulls out a high point in 40 Smith and Wesson. Ah, he had the problem solver. <laughs> so to so to your point, G, some people see that they don't they don't understand. You know what I mean? They don't make the correlation that the chambering of the cartridge doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the <laughs> with the brand of the firearm. Okay, so who got the high point? In forty. Strike one, strike one. It was a forty. Strike two was a high point. Uh, yes. So, um, and I think he wanted like two hundred bucks for it too, if I remember correctly. We're oh. like, no. Uh-uh. Well, smart businessman. He wanted to make money on the gun. Yeah. Yet. yeah. Um. Yeah, because my high points in forty. He should have bought something other than a high point if he wanted to make money on it. That's all I gotta say. But I definitely have had that where people come into the shop and go. I've got a, like what you said, like a Smith and Wesson, and then it'll be 40 Smith and Wesson printed on the barrel. And they just don't know to look on the grip or somewhere else because it says 40 Smith and Wesson right here. So I think I have a 40 Smith and Wesson. Not everybody pays that much attention, you know? Yeah. The most dangerous one is the nine millimeter though, because you never know which nine millimeter they're going to have. Oh God. I got a nine mil. Like, it's macarob or something. Or... Well, nine millimeter does get confused when they have a macarob. People have come in and bought the wrong nine before because they didn't know right. they got a weird nine or whatever. And then I've seen people buy nine Largo when there was various, um, we call them shortages. Yeah. So people seen people buy nine Largo, not realizing there's like a billion nine millimeters out there and that I've the Largo of... means something. I've seen a lot of people shoot 380 through their macarobs. Quite a few people that intentionally that. like it doesn't matter. I'm just yeah, it. yeah, they've intentionally done it. I mean, will it work? Yeah, um, but you, if you know the mechanics of how pistol cartridges headspace and all that, it's like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. It's like the same people that shoot 40 in a 10 millimeter the same thing like can you do it like yeah you can do it but you know you're putting an awful lot of faith in an extractor because at that point your head's facing off an extractor all i can see is like chunks of the uh, the what did i say the uh the copper uh jacket or just lead being shaved off from the rim or whatever you call it, like the where the case would normally be like where it touches the throat or whatever the you know yeah it has to make that small jump to the throat yeah, yeah. and i see yeah. all i can see is like just it's gonna have to shave some there's no possible way in a perfect world it's gonna go straight through there it's gonna shave some and that's right. got to build up or do something it's got to go somewhere so right I can't, yeah i can't so yeah. domo is asking or saying Yes, how do we make the same kind of emotional appeal like the demanding moms do? Stories of everyday defensive gun use. Well, I don't think, I, I'm going to answer this one and let you guys answer, but I don't think we do it. I think moms do that. And moms have been upset since Sandy Hook in 2012 when they started 
speaking for all mothers, that was very offensive to a lot of mothers who didn't have to have a position on guns. They just don't like having some other person who was getting paid by Monsanto to say that, um, you know, their problems weren't there, uh, telling everybody what moms think. So I think uh, one of my points earlier was, you know, the, the girl in a gun, the well-armed women, uh, the DC project, those are the top ones that come to mind, but the Ambassador Academy, specifically the girl in a gun up training event, uh, the complete combatant, they do their, uh, the, uh, can't think of the word, but they do their uh, training. Uh, there's, there's events that the ladies in the industry uh, have, been, I mean, they're 20% plus growing of the industry. That's unprecedented in the history of our industry. So there's been a, a blackout at SHOT Show because there was none. And then there was a light year when the ladies get back to SHOT Show and everything's upturned that anyway, that's my answer is that we don't have to, we either need to get the hell out of the way, be aware of what they're doing and champion it or just wait or all three. Yeah. I think, Sorry, go ahead. Well, I think that I, I don't think we, we, I don't think we need to be making uh, an emotional appeal because that's their play. I agree with that. I, I think what we've got to do, though, is we've got to recognize that emotions are a real thing. So many uh, pro-2A people want to just spit fire and facts all day long and dismiss the emotions that are going through people's minds after tragedies and um, even without tragedies, right? Even if they live in a neighborhood and during the summer of love when, you know, places are burning down and bricks are going through windows and everything else. And, you know, the, those people are going through emotions, right? Like with violence or with whatever is, is happening. And so the emotions those people are experiencing is a real thing. And so we need to acknowledge and address that the emotions are real. But I don't know that we appeal to the promotion the emotions right we acknowledge that they're a real thing and then our course of action is to rationally walk through it's okay to have those emotions right like that's normal that you know you're fearful or whatever the case may be you know but did you realize you know and then ease them in maybe to some of the facts that won't get rid of the emotions, but at least will make them realize that, oh, okay, maybe my you know, emotions are not as as rational, right, as I thought they were. Like the, the let's take uh, mass murders in schools, right, which is a huge thing, or, or mass murders in a public place in general, department store, grocery store, school, whatever it might be. The odds of somebody perishing in a being a victim in that sense are so astronomically low. You could hit the lottery like six times. Like it's, it's, it's terrible how, how small the odds of that are. Now the emotions because of the way society and media and politicians and moms and other, uh, you know, people have ramped it up, right? The emotions are real that people fear those types of that's going to happen or those types of situations. And I, I just think we got to walk them back and go, well, well, I get it. I mean, everybody's afraid of dying, and everybody is especially afraid of dying tragically. That's normal. Uh, but 
here's reality that, you know, you're much more likely for this or this or this to happen. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Right. What are your thoughts on car accidents? Let's say, right. But yet you get in that car multiple times a day and drive down the road and you don't even think about it and you don't get emotional over that. So, you know, um, and just having those types of conversations with people, I think sometimes can help. I think you're both right. Um, so you named a couple, <clears throat> G-Webs, and, and I, I love it because moms demand what they ended up doing with their little adventure was motivating other groups because they did tick off people. And uh, then all of a sudden, one million moms against gun control came out with Rebecca Shmoy and Mary, uh, dang, I can't, I don't Mary, know Mary's last Mary Schuster. Is that how to say that? I don't yeah. know but that's how I say it because I don't know if I've ever heard it. <laughs> okay. So uh, her and Mary, they started up an organization and they started kicking butt. And then with Jill uh, Daniels and, and Mom at Arms. So we have groups that are out there with the emotional appeal and coming from the mother's point of view. And I think you're 100% right. We, as Second Amendment advocates, uh, need to become aware of the groups that are already fighting out there and speaking for women themselves because they are women. We need to promote them. Uh, when someone says, oh, mom's man says this, I'm like, well, all right, well, mom at arms says this. It's like, because all they're doing <clears throat> is, is making an emotional plea and like they're a, getting a weapon in their inventory. We say, oh, we shouldn't use it because we're not masters of it. Or we could just bring, like you're saying, examples of ladies who are masters of it and then let them wield that weapon. Yeah. Mom at arms for our side. Mom, mom at arms is awesome because she, much like Jill, excuse me, Jill, much like uh, it's Sean Watt. It's McDaniel. McDaniels. All right. Jill is, is also a PR person professionally. That was her, that is her job. So when she saw the lady who worked for Monsanto's or whatever it is, um, she was like, oh, so they bring up Ringer in and try to act as if this is grassroots. Well, she is, Jill is grassroots and she started up on her own and was able to recruit a, a lot of other women that were offended by this lie. And, and she brought them in and they do investigative reporting and they're significant in the 2A space, even though some organizations won't give her credit for the investigative work she's done. Uh, and she doesn't are. bring them in by showing a bunch of charts and statistics. She brings them in through like awareness and emotional appeal, or at least like awareness of the emotional appeal that's being used, let's say against us, right? Yeah, Jill, Jill is awesome. Um, Rebecca Shmoy and Mary, amazing ladies, well-spoken, and, and they can speak for us. Diana Mueller, with, with all the ladies in the DC project came from different spaces and they're leaders in their own right in their community. So we have a lot of females out there. We just need to get to know them so we can pop them out and, and promote them on a regular basis. Um, maybe, hey, listen guys, I mean, I, I don't do it enough, Try to promote one or two different advocacy groups on your social media a week. Um, that way, at least it makes you look for somebody who's different, not just the regular. And nothing's wrong with Firearm Policy Coalition or Second uh, Second Amendment Foundation, but but look for other groups like Mom at Arms, 
like One Million Moms against gun control because uh, not enough people are aware of them. I mean, if you look at their social media pages, they should be huge and they're not. They should be gigantic. So we need to work to change that. As individuals, we can do that. We can be our own algorithm and promote other pro-2A organizations like Edgar Antion and Guns for Everyone. Um, so it's kind of hard to play Edgar off as, oh, well, you know, he's just another elite white dude that just is in love with his guns. And it's like, well, kind of, uh, no, he's not. <laughs> he's Mexican. And uh, he's pushing this. And that's what we have to do as advocates. We have to learn to fight fire with fire because any middle-aged white dude, look, they've already tried to shut you guys down because you're a racist regardless, according to, you know, mainstream media and the anti, excuse me, anti-gun mainstream media. If you're a gun owner and you're a white middle-aged white dude, you're, you're, you're part of the problem. Uh, okay. No problem. I'll promote these people. Now, what are they? <clears throat> and and you kind of shut them down. So the emotional appeal has to come from moms, women, minorities, and it's up to us to actually learn who they are and promote them. And oh, yeah, oh and by the way, one more thing. Uh -huh. Listen to Self-Defense Gun Story on the Self-Defense Radio Network. That's another thing that you can actually promote uh, shows that talk about self-defense firearms use. Yeah, because it's not like it's only dudes defending themselves against other dudes. Yeah. So, I mean, it, one part I did it because it's funny, um, because I'm obviously one of the co-hosts of that podcast. But another reason is exactly what you said. It's, it's different people. It's women. It's men. People who are defending themselves. It's grandmothers. It's grandfathers. It's veterans in wheelchairs. So it's never the same. I think Clover brought this one up before, but I'll bring it up again because he just is good company. They support a bunch of people out there. They make good products that are uh, useful for your firearm, keep it clean and running well. But uh, as being pro 2A, we shouldn't make shit up or over-exaggerate things. Remember, we have the truth, history, and constitution on our side. That's a good point. And I think it's typically, I th I, I'm going to just assume, because most of the time I hear this, I think it's a... It's that rush to the conclusion or that like impatience that a new activist will get or someone who's whatever, you're allowed to get anxious once in a while when things are not going your way or even when things are going your way. And I think that's when we start to end up doing the exaggerations or the jump into conclusions. Oh, sorry, I didn't even see that. Jump into conclusions and stuff when it's not necessary, like he's saying, um, right? We don't need to and we're better off because everything is archived, it's, we're better off being side, erring on the side of accuracy rather than whatever. Supporter of the 2A4E diversity shoot. These are some of the prizes that we've been giving away at the latest shoots, and this will be at the December 29th event at Gun for Hire Range in Woodland Park. So somebody will win this. Can't wait. I just wanted to point that out, that he puts his money where his mouth is and his product where his mouth is. Well, I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree. We can't be seen as we have to be right every time because somehow the people we're talking to that will drink the Kool-Aid because their favorite talking head said it will fact check us, but won't fact check the news. 
Well, let me ask Clover this, and you too, I suppose. I don't know, Clover. I know, I know, I bug Clover about this because it, you know, we talk about this more. But you've obviously been around and watching this stuff too. But I've kind of talked about the cycles or the waves, and one of the things that is frustrating to me is the activist, the individual activist that will come along, and someone again who probably doesn't classify themselves as an activist, but someone who is truly doing good work for the overall cause. Again, um, you know, incrementally, but the people that come in and tend to exaggerate or see things in extremes and don't really get the nuance or whatever, but maybe they put their foot in their mouth a few too many times. They get the reputation of being somebody that can't communicate good because of those kind of things. Is that one of the reasons we see people come and go or go prematurely or go unnecessarily, I should say. Coming is great, but the going part is what's gonna be frustrating. <laughs> you know, so if they're saying stuff that's outrageous, it's not flying, and then they say, "Ah, this didn't work for me," and they leave. Is it something that can be coped with or dealt with, or is it just inevitable? Or am I wrong? Is this a, not that big a percentage of the people that leave, as far as oh. like say individual activists? No, no, no. It's <laughs> I can almost give it a name. I can almost name a person. Um, I can actually name a person. I think we all know at least a couple of yeah. people who are close to being what I'm describing. I'm not trying to pick an no. person. But I'm thinking no, they no, might no. be examples of some of the. You know, in the bigger picture, there's got to be tons and tons. We're only dealing yeah. with a few people. There's got to be tons of people that come and go that we represent or that, you know, we know people that represent. And it really well, sucks. Go, oh, go ahead, Clover. Well, people get into this for, you know, get into the 2A thing for a lot of different reasons. It may be, you know, a, a personal, uh, you know, thing that's that's happened to them or whatever. It could be, you know, strictly for things in their, their state or dealing with their family or, you know, whatever demographic that they're representing. Um, some people get into it and then and then things shift. They get into it. And again, we get back into the human element of greed. So whether that's money or power or whatever, and they figure out a certain thing works for a certain, you know, to, to raise funds or, you know, for them to gain, you know, uh, uh, What's the word? Uh, status, right? Yeah, like and, numbers uh, or popularity yeah, or that experience, thing, right? Influence. Sometimes yeah, they'll, they'll get to a point and then leave guns because they can't get any so, further, but they learned how to get to that. Right. So you know, it's it's tough to know somebody's motivations and and you know what's in their heart and that sort of thing. Um, you know, so I, there's a certain amount of leadway, I think that. Um, we should we should occasionally step back and you know we don't have to agree with you know how somebody's doing something i you know i wouldn't do it that way or whatever that's that's perfectly fine that doesn't mean that their way you know and for their goals and the overall goal and all of that uh there's not a purpose to it it's not effective or it's not an asset you know overall um and you know we see a lot of, of folks in the 2a that will in one breath complain about safe spaces and being a snowflake and then in the very next breath retreat to their safe space and become a snowflake because somebody has hurt their feelings with the way that they do something in 2a or whatever that they don't agree with or they don't like the way that was said or done um and so we've got a problem with with hard lines um and i get it whenever you get the the more you get really weird the more you get to the freedom liberty side the more those people draw hard lines which you would think would be a leftist move right like oh you're not 2a enough if you don't do this or that or the other 
And it's like, okay, well, you're putting stipulations, you're putting drawing lines in the sand as opposed to freedom and liberty. And lines in the sands defeat the entire purpose of freedom and liberty. So, like, I, okay, those things can't really coexist. And so, you know, I think you've got to give, along with that, because I think that's a totally different situation, but along with that, I think we've got to give people lead way to make mistakes and learn and grow. You know, people say the wrong things and you don't give them an opportunity to explain it. Maybe they're not the most articulate or whatever the case may be. You know, they need the opportunity to explain it, right? Um, to say it again in a way that somebody understands, oh, I get what you're saying, and not just take that as a soundbite and run with it that, you know, so-and-so said X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, in what context and, you know, even within the context, were those the words that they were really trying to convey and, and really trying to use, right? Um, and even if they're totally wrong, right? Um, that's an opportunity to go, okay, so we're 60, 70, 75% um, in agreement here. Let's have a little discussion about like where you said this, that, or the other that I don't agree with, right? Um, and maybe they maybe they change their mind. Maybe they change the way that they're thinking. Maybe they've never looked at it because of their life situations, experience, perspective, and everything else. Maybe they've never looked at it, you know, a certain way uh, that you're going to bring up, and that changes their mind, and and that ultimately will change their approach. So, I think we've got a lot of room to work together, support each other and help each other to hone our, our messages. Now, see, I'm on the other side of that <clears throat> because I have drawn lines and I've drawn lines and I can bring up the name Tulsi Gabbard and Tim Kennedy. And the reason I bring their names up specifically is because you can say something, but when you ask for clarification and you double down on it, then it's an anti-gun statement. Yeah, if you're for lack of awareness, right? Like an absolute lack of awareness, or like a, a, a deliberate stance that, like, oh no, just to be clear, I don't want people to own guns. Yeah. So, okay, cool. That's where you at. That's your stance. Now, in the same breath, I'm also a person that has talked to people that are on the pro-gun control side, and we have a conversation, and through conversation they've switched or at least understood, but they've never said they were pro 2A. Now, if you're holding yourself up as being pro 2A, but you're also pro red flag, pro magazine capacity limitation, pro training requirements to even purchase a firearm, you are not pro 2A. And those are lines I've drawn in the sand. And um, we've had the conversation, we've given you the space, and those are your principles. Cool. You are not pro 2A. Now, if you don't want to talk to me, fine. But we can have a conversation about the things we agree on. But if I'm putting together a panel, if I'm having a discussion, if I'm inviting people to speak with me, it's not going to be you if well, we're gets, talking pro 2A. It gets like a gray in a different way when people are like, well, I'm going to talk about guns and foster a massive audience about guns and then never bring up second amendment. I'm still two a, but I'm, I'm filtering my blah, blah, blah. I'm manic, you know, manicuring my audience to not blah, blah, blah. So that this way I'm bringing people into the fold. Then it gets, I think, you know, like I say, in a gray area in a different way, because 
you know, there's, there's yeah. people that'll justify either position there or either side of that position. And that has been something I've shifted on because conversations Clover and I had talking about YouTubers that won't touch the rights side of it, but they want to be involved in the gun side. And I'm like, okay, you've brought people into the fold, but you're to me still not an advocate. Um, you're just someone who's taking advantage of the work others are doing, but you're not participating in, 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 in fighting for the right or preserving the right but you're bringing people into the community because they like your videos. Thank you. But again, if I'm putting together a panel and maybe if I want to get word out or I can use your fame or your numbers, I will. But outside of that, you're not really promoting the advocacy side that's fighting for the right. Because you can be a car guy, you know, you can be, what, what's the guy's name? Um, Fast and Furious, the car movie, yeah. uh, Diesel, Vin Diesel. Yeah. yeah, you can be Vin Diesel and got a bunch of people to buy, you know, cars, muscle cars, and, you know, live live life one stoplight at a time. But no one's fighting for the right to drive a car. We're fighting for the right to own and maintain firearms. So it's different to me. But again, I'm an advocate. I'm a firearms instructor, and I have a different mission. So there, a lot of those are no different than Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then another point I was going to make with that. Oh, so what I don't understand is, and, and I get to play. I get that, that that's their, their brand. That's their bag. You know, I, I get it, right? And maybe they do some things in their private life, you know, that, that help out. Um on the right side of stuff, they just don't make that a part of their, you know, their branding or their channel or their, whatever you want to call it. Um, but they could still, they don't, they don't have to do that. That's what's, that's what's crazy with as many people like, like you, Tony, that are out there walking the walk and, and making it happen. Um, there's at the very least, there's an opportunity to push your audience to, to somebody else, right? For that message. At least like, make them like, aware. I mean, if you don't want to make a video talking about 2A, you know, because, you know, you do the latest, greatest tactical gun reviews, that's cool. But maybe you use your community tab on YouTube or maybe you, you, you know, use an IG post or some, a picture or something um, to put somebody that is talking the 2A talk in front of your audience. I'll go ahead and say a name that of somebody that did kind of this. Um, John Patton from the Gun Collective. Some people like him, some people don't. Totally get it because he's a human being and people are people. Um, now, I've known him since he was Chaos 311 Clarity. And uh, we became friends, uh, met up at the out, uh, Great American Outdoor Show years ago. Actually, even before that, we met up at, at, a, at a, a machine gun shoot. Um, he was like, I really like what you do, but you know, I, I do the gun review thing. And then around the same time, um, what's his name? Brownells, Pete Brownell, actually before Pete Brownell, he started doing his own podcast and he invited me on as a second amendment advocate and talked about advocacy. And he would like give people that airtime. These are some of the least watched 
uh, uh, videos on his channel because people weren't into that. But you still take the same amount of effort to have me on as you do to have a firearms manufacturer. But you get bigger numbers from the firearms manufacturer. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it becomes a business thing. But I'm like, I get it. Advocacy is not a big thing. My numbers show it, you know, compared to other dudes that show nice, shiny guns. I talk about advocacy and show cool, shiny guns. But I got decent numbers. I totally get it. You don't have to rename. You don't have to redo your brand. But I say give other people exposure. Understand that you're not going to get the most numbers, but the exposure you give to somebody else could be a helping hand up. I mean, Yankee helped out with a giveaway uh, with us, and we got a lot of numbers on our patron, and that allowed me to do a lot of things in 2019. So, you know, I totally appreciate it. And, and Yankee doesn't have the biggest gun channel out there. And he does advocacy work in, in many ways himself. But uh, there's a way you can help. And I'm not going to poop on them, mainly because, again, I've had conversations with Clover about this and others about this. And they were like, yeah, they would take a hit. People would drop off and go look for somebody else if every week, um, let's say FPS Russia, all of a sudden back in the day, started inviting a gun dude on to talk about Second Amendment advocacy. It was like, yo, dude, could just shoot the golden machine gun and blow something up with Tannerite. Oh, I'm sorry. Binary agent. That better? <laughs> so it happens, dude. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just tired of people that they keep saying a pro-gun, but they have uh, pro-gun control stances. And uh, I also have an issue with vet bros or bro vets or whichever term you want to use that aren't really pro-gun. Dan Crenshaw, Tim Kennedy, Tulsi Gabbard, and I'm sure many others. Oh, yeah, some Navy SEAL dude that uh, supposedly tells everybody he killed bin Laden and uh, the Medal of Honor winner, Maureen, who uh, Dakota Myers, who thinks civilians should stop LARPing and dressing up in costume when they buy uh, military hardware. So I have no problem naming names of veterans because you get no pass from me. No, not when you... you you sign you 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 uh, say the same oath. You go in the same maps, right? And you mm -hmm. do the same stuff. But then when you leave, you continue to harvest off of the you know, the potential or the opportunity or whatever. Like when you're gonna harvest, you know, if you were a race car driver, you can't go. Oh well, you can't talk about my race car driving. Well, bullshit. It's what your whole thing is. So if you're gonna go around saying you're a military veteran, then you can expect to get called out on the military veteran part. Like, yep. If you're a police and you won't shut up about how you used to be police, then expect to be talked about your police record or whatever. Like that's just inevitable conclusion of that. Um, you don't have there's there's lots of veterans that don't don't talk about their veteran status or you know what they did or did not do or whatever. So anyway, so I hear what you're saying. There's a lot of different elements to it and um, I think that one started, we kind of went on a couple of different tangents with that one, which is <laughs> fine, but it started with um, uh, not uh, exaggerating or not talking, uh, stating things that can't be backed up, which is you know kind of developed. But I'm going to bring it back to 500 magnums 
um, which I thought was interesting. I think he just kind of said this, but I thought it was interesting and to play a little bit of devil's advocate, you know, to be contrary to it, but for a reason, like not just to be contrary, but his, his question is, it's crazy to be an American and not own a gun. It's is a gun is, let's see, a gun is, wait, I'm not trying to say this. It's crazy to be an American and not own a gun. You are your first and last only responder. Well, here's the deal. In a free country, you're free to not give a shit about that, or you're free to be oblivious, and you're free to demand somebody else to do it. it. There's no obligation for somebody else to do it necessarily, but you know, in a free country, allow people to be free. Uh, obligations and obligatory, whatever, you know, listening to the rules or something, that's fascism, that's totalitarianism, that's not what we're looking for. So uh, I'm just gonna use as a you know as an opportunity to say let chill like let people not like guns. One, I think it's cool if people go their whole lives and not like guns. Like I'm gonna go my whole life and there's a pile of stuff I'm not gonna give a, a hoot about at all. Like literally a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm fine with that. And I certainly wouldn't want to be told I have to care about this or that or the other thing. But I'll, I'll let you guys hit on this one. Yeah, I totally agree. Um... How, how, okay, a part of it, again, 500 Magnum, um, because he's active in, in a lot of different, um, you know, Second Amendment and, and gun boards. But, you know, he, he, he awoke or maybe was already awake and was knew about it or grew up with firearms and, and part of the gun culture. But there were lots of people who didn't like just the idea of legal gun ownership. They didn't know it was possible for civilians to own firearms, citizens to own firearms illegally. Like that. And I was surprised by this myself again, growing up, you know, in the country on, on, and with firearms as a part of everyday life, it was just a thing. It's not like we strapped a six shooter on to walk outside, but when you live in a farming community, you know where the shotgun is and you know what a rifle is because something can be trying to eat your chickens, be in the yard and have rabies, I mean, there's always a situation. Um, so there's a totally different culture. So you're aware of firearms. But if you grew up in a culture, in a neighborhood, in an area that no one had a gun, it's not unusual for you to think, well, I can live my entire life without a firearm. Why can't everyone else? Because everyone's not you. And, and um, also, it's a little frustrating as an advocate to go, hey, people are taking your right away to own this thing, to be able to defend yourself. But if I'm talking to someone that's never had to do it and hasn't even thought about owning a firearm, how can I get them to believe this right is important enough to actually fight for and push back against maybe their own political party or even care about, period? So it is a little bit frustrating, and I understand where 500 Magnum comes from. And it does seem a little crazy until you step back and realize other people have had different lives and different perspectives uh, that they're coming from. And thereby yeah, giving them a different perception of life. However that cycle goes, strong men, easy times, easy time make weak men, weak men make hard times, hard times make strong men. And that cycle goes around when People have seen bad stuff, World War II, other wars, I come to mind for me, but, you know, seen bad stuff, uh, poverty, uh, being yanked from your country and dragged somewhere, 
uh, either as a kid or some other circumstances, right? Lots of situations where people are aware of things and they don't want their descendants to have to deal with that. They want their descendants, their kids to have better lives or different lives than different than the struggles they had for whatever reasons. They don't want their kids to have to go through that. The result is the kids don't go through that, right? The kids are going to live a different life. So I think that that's only natural to want to have your daughters grow up in a world where they don't have to think about having an AR strapped over their back so that it's a deterrent from predators. You know what I mean? We'd rather live in a world where it's like Star Trek and there just aren't predators. But since we can't create that, we can't be delusional or whatever. But I think it's also okay to strive towards that and to not devolve or go backwards to where we either have to say everything's black and white. Either it's 100% utopia or chaos, because that's bullshit. It's not that option. You know, we have other choices. There's nuance. There's, there's a spectrum in there. And we live that spectrum of kids living fearless lives other than the Cold War for years and years and years. So it's not like it's unprecedented or it's impossible. It's been either intentionally or unintentionally manipulated. Now people are exploiting that perception to either get rich or to keep people voting or whatever. We've got a lot of different conversations going in different ways all over. Um, so 500 Magnum's question was followed up, I believe, if I'm understanding, because there's a lot of conversations. So he says, I think, and I got to try to find it over here now. I think he was saying, I was saying, he was saying it was better to have and not need it than to need and not have it. So I think we might have been taking it a little bit different than because we were reading this way past whenever he made that comment. Like it's out of context in our conversation. We're just taking the question raw. But as far as the concept that people don't realize they're their first and last or their first, last and only responder. I hear what you're saying. I think for me, it was an awakening in a live conversation once. And this was probably in the era of like 12 or 13, when we could still, when the, these live chats were new enough and there wasn't established groups that we had people who were anti that would show up and chat with us. And it was in one of those chats where someone, I don't think they were just talking crap I, or just being argumentative or you know, contrary. I think that they really believed that and their answer was, if it's my time, it's my time. I'm not going to carry a gun because if someone's going to kill me, it's my time. And I don't know if that was a religious thing or just a mindset thing or whatever it was. But do you have the right to tell them to live their life differently because you live your life where you're going to struggle and not accept that? Right. Like they're allowed to have whatever thing they want. And liberty is your freedom and their freedom not overlapping each other. So as much as you don't want them to bother you, you got to be willing. And this is from Tony, I think. You got to be willing to go over 50%. You got to be willing to understand their position. Once you can say, look, I understand that it's your time is your time, but are you going to take that position to your children? Are you going to force them to accept your perception? What about your parents? Like, what about, you know, so maybe approach them with that, not emotional, but, you know, that different way of asking them. But, you know, so I'm saying like, I understand what you're saying, but are you going to force that to be applied on other people? You know, you're ultimately saying that you shouldn't be forced. Well, are you going to start forcing us to also accept your fate? You know what I mean? Right. So there's ways to have that conversation that doesn't challenge them and say, you got to listen to it our way. 
well, look, I'm trying to listen to it your way, but explain to me how this works in this way. And I'm just going off on a tangent here. But... Yeah, yeah. Just because you have a, just because you have an inalienable right, doesn't mean that you are forced to or required to practice, put practice an inalienable right into practice, right? Or and I guess I was saying that it took me a minute to experience that person to, to get past like, you know what? You're allowed to do that and I'll shut up because you're right. If it's your time, it's your time. I, I can't, that's not my way of doing it, but I can get it. It's your, yeah. You're allowed to do you're that. How do me. I fit that into the world so that I yeah. don't force you to do something you don't want? And that's you, where you just say it's not mandatory. We're not saying you have to carry a gun, right. but why are you saying we can't? Right. If it's somebody that says, you know, I'm never going to own a firearm. Uh, I don't care about the firearms. I think firearms are stupid. Um, you know, whatever the case may be, or maybe it's even beyond firearms. Maybe it's self-defense, like you were talking about, religious thing or whatever. Like, I'm not going to do it regardless. I ain't doing it. It's like, okay, cool. Um, and then, you know, but are they going to align with my freedom to make that choice for myself? And, it, you know, that, that answer is yes, that they do align with that and they don't care what I do. They just choose not to partake. Then cool. We'll talk about something else, I guess. Uh, let's talk about cars or the weather or whatever. Um, they go about our business. I, you know, because I, I don't get where that person's coming from, right? I'm not going to be able to understand uh, that until I'm in their specific situation, which likely will never happen. But they're totally, as long as they're not infringing upon any of my freedoms or liberty, they can go do what they want to do. That's that's perfectly fine. So um, I get it. Sometimes we, we especially in the echo chamber, um you know, we, we, we're in the echo chamber, we get in these bubbles and, you know, we want everybody to be like and think about things and everything like we do. And it's like, you know, at some point the world becomes boring. Um, you know, no matter what type of, what's the word, assimilation or, or uh, homogenous, right? The way of thinking. Um, at some point, no matter... No matter what the topic or what we're talking about, where we talk, where we talking about moving to a homogenous utopia where there's no guns, or a homogenous utopia where everybody owns machine guns and shoots them on the weekend. Either way, if like everybody's thinking the same way and doing the same things, and I, I mean, the world as we know it ceases to exist. I mean, it's a weird parallel universe that I don't want to be a part of. I mean, I like the diversity of thought, the diversity of ideas, you know, that's what breeds innovation. That's what, you know, that's what brings about change, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, social constructs or technological constructs or whatever it might be. And you don't get the type of world that we live in today with the vast amounts of technology and just all the cool things we have at our fingertips from everybody walking in lockstep and believing the same thing. Yep. And being, it wasn't like there was a, uh, um, uh, a game plan that we were reaching towards or like some map that everyone was just following the pieces or puzzle we all put together. It was challenges and, and uh, opportunity and, and uh, people competing with each other that got us to where we're at. Right. If everyone just said, let's do what we're told, then you depend on somebody with some all seeing future knowledge and 
Right. You scientists go make this, you scientists go make that. You know, we're the result of a bunch of individual entrepreneurs working together, often get together in unity, but every once in a while in conflict and getting learning and growing past all that, right? Right. Well, I think it's important because I know that 500 went on to say out there uh, that if they don't tread on my rights, uh, I want theirs either. This is America. Uh, we all uh, different for a reason. But I, I think, and, and I get what he's saying, but I just want to caution yeah, well that that um, when he says if they don't tread on my rights, I won't tread on theirs either. Well, you can flip that around and realize there's two sides to that coin. That if you don't tread on their rights, they don't tread on yours either. Like that's it's a two-sided coin, right? So like that statement is like, okay, they need to leave me alone. Well. You need to leave them alone too. Like, keep, just keep that in mind. That's a two-sided thing. Yep. And part of that is—that's a great point. Part of that is learning what triggers them. Like, I had a—I was listening, and it's—I'm not justifying this position. I find it extreme, and I only heard it on the one chat. But it was again eye-opening, and it made me realize that we're not all speaking the same language, even though we're all speaking the same language. I was listening to—and I'll quit saying it because I can't remember—but it was either liberal gun owners or the liberal gun owners club or whatever it is i know that there's two and they have a very similar name and i'm dyslexic so i can't remember i conflate the two but i was watching one of their live streams and it was public on youtube wasn't like i was sneaking in and somebody was saying about how they were triggered at a gun shop and when they blah 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 they got down to it it's because there was a u.s flag hanging in the gun shop so a flag that could be hanging in a tax store a horse and you know horse and feed store or whatever a flag that could be flying in the drugstore, a flag that could be flying in a hardware store. They go into a, a gun shop and there was an American flag flying and they said that triggered them. Now they were amongst their friends and they were probably saying it in some way that I'm taken out of context, but that was eye-opening to me that something is, I don't know what to call an American flag, like just part of the scenery, like something is, I don't know what the word is for that, but you know, like it's just not that big a thing to find out that some people have a big issue with that, like that's an issue. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying knowing that's an issue is something that's, you know what I'm saying? Like that's just knowledge like, like that I, do, I wouldn't have known before that conversation that that's the kind of trivial, yeah. I don't want to say trivial, but that's the kind of thing that can trigger somebody. And if you know that, then you can think about it. Like, oh, if they went into a, can you imagine if they went into a, a gun show? There's got to be a billion flags. I don't even think about it. Flags are like right. all over everywhere at a gun show. They'd probably right. freak the fuck out. Or take it. And, and that's the thing. Again, like, why are you seriously freaked out? Like, you really think that flag is somehow an indication of anything more than I take pride in the country I live in? Maybe, you know, maybe they moved here. Maybe they fought for it. But, you know, there's some reason that they take pride. Maybe it's just a marketing thing and they think that their customers want to see it. So maybe you can do these three things to figure out, are they putting that up because they're putting it at you or they're putting it up because they're trying to sell something to people who like to see that flag, you know, like maybe right. you can help them get past their glitch or I don't want to call it a glitch, but you know. No, I, I call it a glitch. Um, it's cool that they were able to speak out about what, you know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah, they had the yeah, They weren't flag. talking to me. I just heard it. No, no, of, of course. Yeah. I mean, they're in the room and they're talking. I want to sit back and see what other people have to say, because I think that'd be an interesting conversation. Um, it's like when you drive down the street and you see someone has an American flag 
hanging off their porch or, you know, doing the 4th of July celebration Memorial Day. Like, like what exactly, like, triggers you? Because I, I want to hear it. I'm not going to change the way I feel, but maybe it will. Because right now, I'm thinking pretty dismissive of your thing. I mean, you know, first, first shot. It's like, get over yourself. Too goddamn bad. You live in America. But it's like, no, hold on, pump the brakes, and, you know, let me have empathy with somebody if it makes sense. If they're insane and it's just they want to be triggered or they think they should be triggered by the American flag because of the circles they hang out in and they don't really have a legitimate, in my opinion, because, yes, I do judge about other people's legitimacy about the things they say. Um, in my opinion, if it's not legitimate, then you get blown off, too. Sorry. But I, I, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking, like, yeah, but if you came from a country where let's say you came from Nazi Germany where having Nazi flags up was some kind of indication of like, I do whatever the party tells me. So like, maybe that has some glitch to you where you see the country flag and you think fatherland, uh Oh, this person's sketchy or it's questionable, you know, but if you don't enunciate that to the person who's got the flag up, then that's your trip, right? That's your thing. And you're putting that on them, especially in a country where we don't have that fatherland. Oh, and see, I understand what Clover said. He was like, does it matter? No, it does not matter. It does not matter to me if you stand up for the national anthem, sit, kneel, or start a bonfire with the American flag. But if we're having a conversation and you're saying something, I want to learn something about this so right. we can actually speak on it intelligently. Well, but at some um, because point, it's interesting. At some point, but that conversation is only going to go too far, right? Or only going to go so, so far. So yeah, if I, if I tell far. you, Tony... That and tell you, Sears's heart attack. Okay, what's your problem with the? You know, you have a problem with the American flag. What's your problem? Well, I don't like the colors. I think the colors are freaking stupid, and so okay, uh, it, it bothers me. Right? Like, where does the conversation go from there? Because if you start telling me it's it's insane or it's goofy <laughs> or silly for me, well, then guess what? Then you're picking a fight over something See, that like why are you picking that fight i don't understand i have perfectly have in, within my rights to not like the colors of the american flag and not like it for that reason if i don't want to like it for that reason that doesn't hurt he, you in any he, way shape form or fashion but you telling me i'm mentally ill or crazy because i don't like the colors of the american flag you just infringed on me you're pushing your stuff on me at that point Actually, I'm not pushing my stuff on you, but I mean, I think people are crazy every damn day. Um, there's no reason for me to say it, no, but uh, but if I ask and you tell me, I'm I like, just all right, play it a dead no, no. here with no, but I like at it. At some point, just walk away, like, don't instigate. It takes two sides to argue, and at some but, point, just like, don't just whatever. well, yeah, gain the intel and walk yeah. away with that awareness, right. but you don't right. need to challenge them and win. No. Exactly. And that's not my issue. My issue is we have conversations every day that go and don't go anywhere. I mean, we all do. Hey, how about that weather? Have a conversation in the echo chamber, right? Go back to the echo chamber and go, I talked to this fool today that didn't like the flag because of the colors. It's like, yeah. And, and, and <laughs> the echo chamber goes. Anybody else experience that? Like, you know. Well, then that's <laughs> actually kind of neat because then if you find out, well, wow, I did, and then you find out, oh, it's because of this or that. And again, I'm not trying to justify a specific right. thing, but there could be some awareness there. Now, when, as you're saying that too, I'm also thinking that if you asked me, like a lot of times, I'll be like, I didn't like the American flag there because I like the flag code. Like, I think that the flag code is pretty cool. It's not a law. It's just mm -hmm. a. It's a, it's a code. It's a bunch of rules, I guess you could say. 
that are really just there. It's like a, it's like a, literally a code, like a, if we're writing script for computers or something. It's just a set of variables that tell you this is how to do it, this is when to do it, and this is the way to do it. And it doesn't say you have to do it this way. And I think unless you're in uniform, if you're like working for the government, you probably should do it that way because you can be held accountable because there are rules that you have to follow when you're being paid by the Uncle Sam. But aside from that, the rest of us is just the rules that show respect for the flag. So you can either know those or not, because there's no consequence at all other than somebody like me who's being petty to talk about it. But you know what I'm saying? Like you can do whatever you want with a flag. But me, if I see a flag wadded up on the floor with some fucking piece of product laying on it, and they think that's no big deal because it's the same as if they wadded up some tissue paper, right? Because it's just patriotic because it's July. To me, that shows a lack of respect for the flag, a completely unawareness that there is a code of conduct that we would have to show respect and that it's not mandatory, but it's, you know, it's, it's discretionary. And that's showing that you have no respect for it. So for me, if I see flags up all over the place, it bothers me because I know what country I live in and you can't have that much respect for every single freaking flag you own. Now, if it's a dragon land, dragon man's place, and every flag is literally from a purple heart or, you know, has some significance, a little different. It's hard to worry about the flag code in dragon man's place, but a gun shop who has like 13 flags all over. Well, do you respect the flag or do you have, are you literally dusting them all every day? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's decoration. overboard. Yeah. And yeah, mm -hmm. there's like, you, know, you can buy another flag. You can put something else up. There's other things to decorate places. Just buy some red, black, white, blue streamers, right? That's just a personal thing. So that's where, where I might say, oh, I don't like the flag at that gun shop. And it has nothing to do with the flag other than the, their lack of respect for our piece of stuff that we have. There's this weird respect for. And then we're, you know, anyway, so that's just another aspect where this particular you know, aside, you're just hearing someone say, I didn't like the flag at that gun shop. It could mean a million things. Now, I'll just throw in another one. I, I know a lot of people who don't like the, the stripes, the blue stripe, the blue thread, the red line, the red line, the blue line, the green line. I don't know. There's a million different color lines that people will put them in. And that's like respect or pride for the police department or something. And I've heard people that don't like it because of the flag code. They don't like it because they think, what is it, like gang colors or is, you know, literally like a police gang, like we're some kind of were the police and you can't unless you got our symbols or our our colors flying or something or is it like you just don't give a shit about our flag because you don't give a shit about the people that you're there to serve or you're not there you know what i mean like there's people that are skeptical about that people that don't dig it and then there's people that the other way that are like oh yeah it's our flag plus the cops it's even more better you know it's awesome it's just so, that country where everybody can do what they want so i could care less but it tells me a lot if your store is full of every color line or whatever are there not are there not flag patches for the military that are like all like FDE or all black so, or all so the flag code says when you're in literally when you're in the mili when you're in uniform, that's uh -huh. the only time you have a flag. And that has changed depending on the service and depending on if you're in like a parade uniform or if you're in a dress right. uniform or if you're in a fatigue uniform. But in my day, back in the eighties in fatigues you didn't wear a flag unless you were in international duty where you needed to be signified as what country you're from uh -huh. you were wearing fatigues you had your unit insignia and then your rank and your name and that was it because you didn't get your flag all dirty all the time that was in the 80s and i think they may have changed that with velcro and because man my day it's so everything on yeah. you would take it to a laundry place and they would sew stuff on for you uh but anyway so now there's velcro so it might be a little different now and now they do the 
bodies are vehicles. So on vehicles, you paint flags backwards if you're on the one side of an airplane so that the union is always going forward as if it was on a flagpole. Right. So, you know, like on a vehicle, you have a little flagpole so that the union's always, the blue part is always into the wind. So on an airplane, you paint the flag backwards on that side of the plane, which I think is bullshit. But, you know, the Air Force is going to do what they want. Um, and because of that, for some reason, Marines, I think, and the Army at least, has backward flags that you wear on your right shoulder. I think that's stupid as hell. So what that's right. done is created an official backwards flag that people use all different kinds of crazy Right, ways. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was curious. I've seen some stuff like that, so I didn't know. And I think that, again, might be guard units. Again, it gets really weird when you're working with other units and you're overseas. But speaking and of... my entire time was not overseas. You know, there's right. units now that don't even hardly... They do their training here and they leave. Right. So in well, those but, things, you have to indicate what country you're from sometimes. But speaking of the, you know, you talk to the backwards flag, which, yeah, that's a route I was going to go down. But what about when they're all like one shade or whatever? You don't have the red, the white, military blue, flag will never have like, a completely one shade. It'll always have three colors, at least to everyone I've seen. That's well, but I mean, they're all the same palette, though, right? Well, they'll kill like, it to the, they'll, they'll subdue it. If it's a fighting flag, you're going to subdue it to whatever. So the Air Force will be subdued to theirs and the military. Well, it like matches the camo, like it's yes, what they're that's doing. What I mean, yeah. But I mean, is that okay? Because it's in those are context? issued. Yeah, those are issued. So you have to be okay if they're issued, I guess. Okay. But they are kind of. Well, here's the thing: we have the First Amendment. But that would so be a patch. Having a an flag? actual flag in that color would not be right. Oh hell yeah, that would be some weird thing. And that's they're, yeah. they're trying to demonize that as freaking militia, militia or some weird shit or whatever they call in the bad right. militia now or whatever. Right. So yeah, that's crazy. Um, but we have the First Amendment. So as much as I like the flag code, as soon as they started saying it, it started even approaching back in the days where somebody was pissing on a flag or something in some place right. and they were talking about maybe making a, the code into a law, literally as much as I'm into the flag, the day that I heard that, because I was watching C-SPAN back in the day, I was an Eagle right. Scout and everything, I was watching that, I wrote the lyrics to Metallica, kill them all on a flag. I put it down on the ground and spray painted the lyrics to Metallica because I was like, fuck you. First Amendment says I can do whatever they want to a flag. I don't right. think this is right, but I'm going to fucking lay it down and do it. This was an old flag I had that was kind of just a right. bullshit scouts flag, but I still have it, you know, in justice for all. Wait, it was justice for all, I think. Uh, but yeah, right. like the First Amendment says we can do what we want. You don't have to like it and I don't have to like it either, but right. we still can do whatever we want. And that's why there is no law. There's just a flag code. Right. Well, that's what breeds the respect, right? If you're oh, yeah. forced to do it, like you, you have no, you have less appreciation. I'm going to say you have no but you have less appreciation for things you're forced to do, right? Than things you do because you enjoy it or you love it or whatever the case may be. Because then it's not, I mean, that's fascism. It's not, right. that's kind well, of that, no longer a choice you make at that point. And that was my outlook on it when they first started talking about burning the flag. And I didn't, I don't like it, but you have every right to be a moron. Welcome to America. You can be as dumb as you want to be. Do I wish bad things upon you when you burn the flag? Yeah, I hope it catches your ass on fire. Well, I hope you learn but, something. But yeah, as long as you didn't pull it down from a government building or take it from yeah, someone. Yeah, that's totally different. And realize that, that being a moron is a state of subjectiveness. So, you know, you have every right for Tony Simon to think you're a moron. 
well, you might be a moron. And then 10 minutes later, you might realize the concept, you know, the, the, the significance of what you did. And maybe it goes viral. And now maybe you'll never live that down. Or maybe you just skirt and you go, wow, that could have gone viral. And I could be the person who burned a flag for the rest of my life. And I'd have a different route. You know what I mean, you're allowed to. Well, and maybe the only person who that, thinks right? you're a moron is Tony. And if that's the case, are you a moron? You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He's a good judge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, actually, I work for the government, and that's my job is to go around. <laughs> the moron police. Okay. Yes, I'm the moron police. You got a busy, me. you got a busy life. I hope they pay no, you well. It, it's say. really, it's more like a tag and release thing. <laughs> right here's your sign. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a poll out there. I put up a while ago. Are you in on the Gun Channel's holiday challenge? where it's you buy a box of ammo, just maybe some random ammo or a weird caliber, something you know the person doesn't have potentially, and you buy this box of ammo and then you give it to somebody and the challenge is that then in the next year they got to find a gun to wrap around it, either buy one or figure something out and you know change one of the calibers of their guns or something so that they can shoot that ammo you challenged them with. Uh, came up with that a little bit earlier in the show. So the question is, are you in on it? And the answers are yes, and I will give somebody ammo. Yes, I'll just watch it, or nah, not interested, or you hate it, and you're nervous, no way you're possibly to be involved. So with a bunch of uh, answers so far, uh, almost 100% answer rate, 40% say yes, and they'll give somebody some ammo, 30% uh, are saying they'll watch, and then 30% are saying they'll pass. So uh, we might be onto something. We'll see if anybody follows through, and if it turns into a Interesting thing to uh, you know do year after year. Maybe it'd be something to do at Wanamaker. You buy a box of ammo and give it to somebody while you're at Wanamaker. Yeah, that would be a good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be a good thing for. Yeah, for sure. Or drop. Well, it was gonna say drop it on them at Shot Show, but then they're like, "Ha ha!" Who is they? Like, hey, thanks. I found out I had three boxes of ammo when I went through TSA. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> that would be good. Um. So the. Death Claw is saying emotion. This is a good one. Emotions may be real, but emotion without logic is just rage. I don't know if that's from a shirt or something or a bumper sticker, but that sounds pretty good. Emotions may be real, but emotion without logic is just rage. I mean, of emotion, but yeah. I mean, it would be, in, in, it wouldn't have much effect if you tried to sell somebody yelling at you that, but knowing that, you might be able to set yourself up to not get into just some kind of yelling match with somebody, right? Like, yeah. Try to be a, a more, uh, clean with Spock. Well, uh, yeah. Well, there are a range. There's a range of Vulcan, emotions. Feel a little more Vulcan about it. That's what we have to keep in mind. There's a range of emotions. So on on one spectrum or one end of the spectrum or whatever. Yeah, I mean it would be rage. But last one that we've got started is Vanessa Kitty saying blame crimes on criminals, not some group of law-abiding citizens. No tool. Or a tool does not, or a cool tool does no crime. Uh, you know, blame the person, not the gun. That is can be kind of what's the word is you know that can be said offhand, and I think a lot of times that 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 message just needs to be wrapped in the right words, right? To get right. Yeah. the point across. It's the same thing as criminals don't obey laws. I think that gets lost as a bumper sticker thing. When it's so accurate that they want to keep throwing laws like, well, it's illegal to murder, but we're going to make it illegal to murder in this place. OK, right. well, did what we're going to make it illegal to murder with a gun in this place. OK, but we're going to make it illegal for people under 18 
to murder with a gun in this place. Okay. Right. And then they're going to be like on Tuesday or, you know what I mean? Like they, that, right. that part of it. And here's, here's the thing. And I, I don't know if this is a big deal or not. It's pretty probably pretty obvious, but the same way that we are frustrated on this side with people that are advocates when they're frustrated, then they quit being an advocate. So they're advocates. They feel they won and they leave their advocates. They don't like the way somebody said something about their friends. So they leave. Right. And we're frustrated that the, I'll, I'll do this one too. the national level organizations welcome you in with the $30 a year join. And you're now part of the solution. Thank you. You've done it. You've been part of the solution. You empowered us to solve this for everybody. Right. And then once you're there and you're like, okay, I'm here, this is my fourth year. What's, what's the advanced level? What's next? Oh, you can pay us another 40 bucks or shut up because there's always this constant supply of new people. That's been one of my frustrations. Yeah. Um, it's got to be the same on the other side. They don't have people that are like, I'm lifetime watching this garbage and I really am still suckered by your, you know, weird, like handpicked numbers and like your, your manipulations and stuff and listening to the victims all the time, exploit, you know, when you exploit right. the victims and make them say stuff over and over. I think that they probably find people that are like, I'm offended and this is the option. And then, either it's, you know good arguments on our side or they just get bored and then those people are gone like that didn't solve anything and they're yeah. gone they're off to figuring out what tile they need in the kitchen and then they get a new wave of people and bloomberg supplementing this whole thing so maybe on the other side it isn't that well, they got hard true hard you know year-long so, years and year-long supporters but they just got a steady stream of fly-by-nights also so how many people do you know right in this like personally no how many people do you personally know that have went from being pro Second Amendment, even pro gun, right, to anti? Versus that one the opposite, guy. the opposite way around. The people you know that were anti-gun, anti-2A, because two separate things, but we can talk, we can lump both of them together for this experiment, and then went pro, right? Like they Tons only lose. Those they and... only they only lose from their ranks. And we only gain from and only is a strong word, but they predominantly it's, it's lose from their ranks. Almost one hundred percent. Yeah, that and we one guy who's working gain. for them now. Who's that yeah. guy that Bussy or somebody works for them now? Yeah. He's the only guy I can think of that went the other way. Right, and how many and and how many do that? And, and I've got to think how many drop their ranks. I got to think that there's probably some that drop their ranks that become indifferent. You know what I mean? Like they're just tired of messing with this and they really don't. Yeah, because they're told guns are the problem. Let's solve the problem by getting rid of guns. And then they go fight for a while and then they go, you know what? We're going to bring a child in and this child is going to tell us about what we need to know. And the child's going to say the same thing they just said. And then they're going to say, you know, what we're going to do change the name. And now we got a lady who had a uh, who's the victim. We're going to have her be the run this one. And, you know, it's all coming from the same place and you're still getting the same fee and the same reaching out for money all the time the 14th richest person on the planet or whatever he is is asking you for money all the time right but you know what i'm saying like at some point they're going to go i'm i'm, I'm i've lost my enamor with this this is some kind of money scam like this right. isn't working they're not solving nothing they're just getting the nra mad and then you got the people that are like i hate the nra i hate the nra right but they're like the gun owners of america version they're like i hate the nra but you're not doing it right you're not doing it enough and I don't know what they go to, but you know what I mean? They leave because it's not enough. They're, they're, they're pissed that it's still, you know, it's not happening fast enough. They haven't removed the second amendment yet. Well, the funny part is they do rotate them. Now, 
it was beautiful because I saw it firsthand. I'm sitting in Trenton waiting to testify in the assembly. Um, I was sitting with the mom's demand ladies because that's where the seat was open and they thought I was one of theirs. So I'm listening to one of their mom's demand ladies testify. And she's talking about how her friend was in New York minding his business on a stoop and he gets robbed by a guy at gunpoint using a Glock 19. He was robbed with a Glock 19. Now, what made my head snap up is unless you're in the guns, how do you, one, how do you differentiate any gun from a Glock if that's not your thing? And who the hell knows the model number of the Glock used in your friend's robbery? You know what I mean? It's, it's not you that saw it, but your friend knows he got robbed with a Glock 19. So yeah. that made that story stand out for me. Like what brand the, sweatshirt, what brand shoes was he wearing? Like, oh, I don't know. How would I know that? But you know the brand and model of the gun. Yeah, like the description had to be a hell of a description for these guys. These guys noticed all of this. You, you knew what model his gun was? Anyway, Asian lady, small. Fast forward a few years later, I'm testifying again. And another mom's demand lady stands up and talks about how her friend got robbed, minding his business, sitting on his steps with a bad guy with a Glock 19. I look up and I'm like, wait a minute. This sounds like 81% of what I heard in <laughs> It was almost word for word. And I'm like, that's what they do. They swap them out. So Asian lady couldn't make it. So her talking points were given to white lady. White ladies telling the exact same story. I'm like, so yeah, they have a script. They run it. They lose people. They gain people just like we do. Um, except our people just go back to screaming at stuff online and screaming F the NRA. And they go join another group or they drop off. But yeah, we have well, a lot of people in this space that were anti-gun that are now pro-gun. And there's people, I think, where, you know, um, you know, that's what we're saying. There's people that will continue the, like, we hate, it's our rights, like, leave us alone, I guess. It's, they don't really hate. They're like, we hate people bothering us. It's our rights, leave us alone. I guess I should just say, it's our rights, leave us alone, right? And you can definitely keep that. You can chant that all you want. And gun people will come along and go, yeah, all right because we either don't care because that's fine or we're either new or whatever. Like we're really down with that. Like, hell yeah, that's our music, right? We want to hear that. Leave us alone. It's all right. I think at least in my experience now over the last, last seven years, five to seven years, I could care less about that. It actually is like nails on a chalkboard to me. It's just annoying because it's not doing anything except keeping a, a drum beat in the background but it's not riling up the troops to action because it's just a background beat. You know, it's no vocals. There's nothing in there. It's, it's just a background beat, but it's easy. And it's, and, and if somebody's going to count keeping the background beat going as two A and being, you know, keeping people around. Okay. I guess, but that's like elevator music. Elevator music exists. People are getting on the elevator, get to whatever office is upstairs. They're getting on the elevator because they need something in the other end of the elevator. The elevator music 
you could say that it has influence on them, but at the same time, it's just keeping them from being bored while they're in the elevator. It's not giving them a direction. It's not helping them. It's not saying, here's a bunch of pep talk on the way up the elevator or the way down, like you did a good job, but next time you can fight again. It's just keeping them from being bored. And is that really necessary or useful? And if it's gonna take 90% of your resources to have elevator music, it's detrimental to the cause. If elevator music is free or it's actually paying you, then right on, elevator music all day. But if 90% of your budget is elevator music and you're losing, then fucking get rid of the elevator music and spend that 90% of time really on things that are more valuable than elevator music. Am I using a bad analogy on that? Uh, no, because I get what you mean. I mean, look, advocate how you advocate. Be you, but understand some stuff works, some stuff doesn't. Um, and, and there's different people come in at different levels. People are at different levels of advocacy all the time, of understanding, of empathy, or sympathy of who you want on your team, who you don't want. It's it's a living, moving, breathing thing. And and people are at different levels. Maybe that's all they do. That's all they know. Maybe they haven't invested in, into it. Maybe they never got the NRA card about how to do, you know, your arguments or what you stand for. Or maybe that's all they got. Maybe they don't know why they should stand against red flag laws. Maybe they don't get it. But they go, it's my right. Leave me alone. Like, like that's all they got. Okay, cool. But here's some other stuff. Oh, I hate really listening to that. I, I just want to go to the rallies and hold up my sign and then go about my business. All right. Thanks for participating. Well, oh, okay. And, and remember, too, that some men you just can't reach. What? I said, remember, too, that some men you just can't reach. True. They're, they're not going to be more articulate. They're not going to be deeper thinkers about it. Yeah. They're just going to do their thing. And you either have to accept that or leave it alone. Well, and the and the and and nobody the key, has to. There's no obligation or like level where you have to be at or nothing. Yeah. The key word for that, some men you just can't reach, is you, right? You just can't reach. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why it takes a village. That's why we, you know, we all have our own lane. We all have our own part to play. And I say it all the time. You know, just through the the numbers, the breakdown, the math, the statistics alone that, you know, that's why your, your voice is so important. It's because there are a certain number of people, There's it, the number is certainly one or greater, right? That only you're, you're the only one that's going to relay a message where they understand it properly. They don't get it from anybody else, just you. And, and I can't tell you how many times I've had that happen where... And we've all experienced that in our lives where somebody's told us something over it. Maybe it's how to fix something or how, whatever the case may be. And you've been told it and you've read it in a book. And you, But until somebody, there was this one person that goes, oh, yeah, you're doing so-and-so. Yeah, well, I normally do this and that and this. And then it clicks. And you're like, I get it. Everything I've read, everything I've heard before, it all, until that one person said that, right? And that one person said that, and it all fell into place, right? And that's that's the world we live in. So, you know, value your voice and understand that, you know, yeah, you're not going to reach everybody, 
but you don't have to reach everybody because we all have a part to play. Oh, that's a really valid point. And you're not going to be able to say something that gets through to everybody or that reaches everybody like you're saying. And yeah, you shouldn't be frustrated when you get feedback that, you know, it doesn't, that indicates that it's not right. like you failed. It just means big deal. Well, and if there's a thousand people, you're only going to get through to a hundred. That means potentially you're going to get 900 people go. I don't get it. Yeah. And that's where it's important too to have the, the Rolodex, to have the contacts, to have the networking. Because if you see somebody is frustrated with, you know, you're trying to explain or, you know, mansplain, you're whatever, right? And somebody's getting frustrated. Like, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand. Well, having that network to go, you know what? I'll tell you what, somebody that might can explain it better than I is, is Tony Simon. Go check out 2A4E, right? Or, whatever and being able to direct somebody to to someone that can explain things differently than what you're explaining them right in a way that that maybe they can understand it and rather than just walking away and going well i guess you know i guess i'm not going to be able to show you or teach you or explain to it i don't know what else to say and walking off and you feel frustrated and they feel frustrated you know, at least you can give them that option and go, yeah, I'm not, I'm probably not, you know, the best at trying to explain this to you. You know, you might have better luck go check out so-and-so go listen to this person speak, go listen, go read, you know, some stuff from this person, right? Read this book or whatever the case may be and, and give them a little bit of direction rather than just giving up. That's a great point. And that's one of the cool things about knowing or what, you know, having friends and watching their content because, most people are laying down their content and leaving it there. I mean, just about everybody leaves their content there, except for maybe the exception of a bad show or something that happened or something. Right. So, uh, you know, you, a lot of times you can not just say, go check out their channel, but you can be like, hey, you know what? They have a video on this or you know, this is yeah. here, here and here. Like they have three videos and this person has a video or something. So you can really um, or maybe it's like, hey, so and so asked a question about this. I looked at your video and it talks about that. You want to update your video or you want to have a just you know there's there's lots lots of potential there yeah yeah and that's the thing we i'm going to just as we wrap up here since we don't have any more questions start and we actually have more people showing up all the time so it's probably because it's christmas eve and nobody else is doing their normal shows g23 will be starting here at the top of the hour so we'll definitely end by then but um i guess i've been every once in a while i'll take the opportunity to mention when i think about it or when it comes up on one of my shows that when we were growing up, what was our role models as far as gun folks? We had like the Rambo Predator, uh, Red Dawn type of movies that were popular in the eighties. And then the Westerns and stuff and the World War II movies that were popular before that, so that we might've seen or could watch on like reruns or whatever. There was, if you were paying attention, the beginnings of competition shooting, but it was really just kind of being developed and it was on TV and you had to have cable and not it wasn't as universal as it is now. So not everybody had every cable channel and not every cable channel was syndicated everywhere. So that was hit or miss satellites and stuff and cable, right? So a lot of that stuff was different for us growing up than today, where you have all the ladies that we mentioned, you've got the sports spectrum that we kind of hit upon you've got the rights and activists all over the place you know we, we have minuteman university.com uh, over there which helps to explain all the different 
vast depth of the firearms community and the industry. So all the people that are involved, uh, creating calibers, creating new guns, those people are on the scene, right? <coughs> sorry. So, um, yeah, <coughs> couldn't mute. Sorry. The role models that are available to kids today is crazy. So what's going to be next with, or what's going to come out of what's going to be the result of what we're experiencing today? Because everybody's having kids all the time, right? There's going to be this next generation. It'll be a, our generation's kids are small, but then that generation that started in the 2000s, like that's a giant generation. They're going to have a wave of kids. And, you know, they've got Gabby to look up to, uh, Diana, right? They've got uh, Brooke Cheney will be doing a show here, but they've got those kind of ladies to look up to. And, and typically when you look up to somebody, you're thinking about how you can accomplish what they did or more, like how you can add to where their adventures, right? So where are we headed with that? Look where we're at and the trajectory we're on and then the next big steps. I mean, there's going to be some anti stuff, but I suspect that stuff's going away. There's, there's just like, like people have been saying, the stuff is on our side. It's just a really a matter of awareness to get the, that awareness to, through society. Once it's through society and people are no longer afraid of guns, the same way they're not afraid of cars. How, how fun will that world be? As gun owners, I mean. I think it's going to be great. There's always going to be an anti-gun uh, group until we just beat it to death and make it like political suicide. Um, there's going to be attacks because they have been since 1934 on a federal level. Um, it was prior to that. I mean, we can go back and everybody spoke about it. But it's like, yeah, okay, there's been a concerted effort, especially since the 80s. Um, we can make it go away um, by making it politically just uh, unviable, just not a position that anybody can hold if they want to be in power. We, we can do that. The next generation is going to be exposed to more. I think the kids today, because of different levels of entertainment, we had movies. The generation before us had movies and television. We had movies and television. The generation before that <clears throat> had radio shows and movies. Now the current generation has video games. They have movies. They have streaming services. They can watch all this stuff. And they also have awesome airsoft guns that bring like have all the reality plus the gear being sold by these sites. So, I mean... Hey, dude, I mean, they, they, ha they have access. A kid today that's in the firearms, the parents to support them being in the firearms, has access to much cooler toys than we did. And because of the advocacy we have, like Derek with uh, Kids Foundation, um, like the diversity shoot, as long as you're over 10 years old, you can come shoot all kinds of cool guns. They have opportunities that we really didn't have unless we knew somebody at least yeah. not where I came from, unless you knew somebody and you're shooting in their backyard or you know somebody that owns one or two cool guns. Dude, these guys can come to my event and, I mean, I'm traveling across the country this year. It, it's, it's amazing. So the ball is in our court. We can either run with it or drop it. So I think that's, that's the deal. We have responsibility right now um, to run with this, to push it to allow people to know and, 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 and educate them on this right and motivate them to participate in it and not turn them off and not yell at them because they're too stupid. You know what I mean? Because they're not 
woke like you're woke. They didn't take the pill at the same time you did. We need to invite those people in, but also, you know, give them some time and make them aware of the people that are grifters in our industry and that maybe you shouldn't look up to and don't look at as a hero. And this is why. But come on, let's shoot guns and let's have fun. And you can learn about this stuff as you go along. Everything doesn't have to be drinking from a water hose at your very first event. Let's just go shoot guns. We'll get there eventually. Make it fun. We can win. We are winning. I don't know if Clover wants to throw anything on the end of that. Nope. I'm good. And I'll play host and I'll say, why don't we wrap it up? Both of y'all, I mentioned it earlier, but both of you have got $10 situations that will benefit for your project. So I don't, uh, Clover, why don't you talk about the stickers? Uh, yeah, uh, I guess so. We've got the uh, Ghost and Clover stickers, trying to think how many, I don't know, somewhere around 50 of those are left until they're, we'll draw as soon as they're gone. So maybe we'll get to draw before the new year. I don't know. It just kind of depends on what's going on. But um, $1,600 prize package. Uh, if you pick up one of those uh, stickers, then you will get an entry. If you pick up five stickers, you get six entries, so forth and so on. Um yeah, check those out. Uh, clovertech.com slash shot 2023. Um, we have not shipped any of those uh, stickers, and there's a reason for that. I know that we, we talked about it previously, like, hey, why didn't you send these out? It's a big scam. That's why it's a big um, scam. Yeah, that's it. true. But here's the other thing. You could pick your number between 1 and um, between one and 200. So if there's a specific number you want, as long as that number is not taken, and that makes it hard to ship them out ahead of time. Because what if we ship out, you know, number yeah. 111, and then somebody wants 111, right? Um, so that's why that is the uh, case. But they will all go out, um, you know, as soon as they're they're sold. Pretty much, they'll we'll get them into envelopes and and get them sent out. Um, and we've also had people that have purchase stickers and put other people's names on the entry they're like okay we want the stickers ship them to us but you know put so-and-so's name on the uh on the entry because that's it's a pretty banging package that 1600 dollar prize package and then we've got um the runner-up prize package even so you've got two shots and thanks to of course uh, uh gun websites and ride shotgun with charlie and meet the pressers for the runner-up uh, prize, which is a, a cert pistol. As far as a $1,600 prize package, way too much to mention. So check out clovertech.com slash shot2023 and the uh, list of all that. It's 16, 17 items. I mean, there's a handgun, ammunition, uh, trauma kit bag, iPro ear pro, and a ton of other stuff in that uh, in that prize package. So uh, hopefully, like I said, uh those sell out before the new year or somewhere close and we can ring in the new year by uh, giving away a, a couple of pretty cool prizes right on and then you can help clover out and ghost help by spreading the word on that too so if 10 bucks is out of your budget or you've already thrown a couple of bucks at it it helps a lot to just spread the word on it they've got a couple of graphics that help out with that um, just being persistent on different social platforms is the magic of, you know, just a lot of people out there. So it's going to leave some links behind for them and it'll let people know, you know, the, 
near future about the project. And, you know, you never know. Somebody might have 50 bucks laying around. That happens 10 times in their drawing and they're, you know, helping out getting them to shop. So in that same vein, uh, Tony's got a $10 thing. Oh, I guess I was also going to say with Clover, um, uh, we uh, I, or I talked to Matt from Meet the Pressers, and he's going to be down for when we do our SHOT Show show with people that have been to SHOT. I think we said this is his 10th year going to SHOT, yeah. and he's, he's down for jumping in when we have that. And hopefully Tony cool. will do it or be able to jump in if we do it at a time when uh, people are available, but we're planning on having a conversation with folks that have been to shot for more than a couple of times uh, to just round table and answer questions for people that are new and hopefully just give everybody some experience, you know, awareness of our own experiences. Right. But anyhow, just wanted to throw that in there and then uh, throw it over to Tony. He's got another project at the $10 level to uh, help out the 2A for E. Yeah, dude, I got the Wheel of Freedom. Um, friend of mine, Dan from uh, New Jersey Conceal, makes this awesome, almost like Aztec calendar like wheel made of wood, lacquered with different um, uh, firearms manufacturers' names on them and stuff. And it's pretty cool. And in the center, it says uh, the Tree of Liberty must be watered by the blood of tyrants. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm glad he was able to do this. He does it for us uh, every now and again. I think this is like the third one we're giving away. And again, it's $10 for every chance. So if you want two chances, 20 bucks. Uh, we're going to announce it at noon on uh, New Year's Day. That way it's, it's New Year's everywhere and people are awake. So uh, it's going to help fund what we do. And I really appreciate everybody that's donated or people that have shared it because it's awesome. I was actually a gun for higher range and I filmed another couple of uh, these mainly because I waited so darn long. I got it on November 10th. I guess I should have been pushing it for Christmas or New Year's the entire time. But sometimes I think maybe you oversaturate it and people just get tired of seeing it. So, hey, if, if you don't dig it, it's my fault. Um, hopefully everybody hears about it. If you can just share it. Again, it's $10 and it helps us out because we will be doing a lot of traveling this year um, because we're trying to spread the word. We're trying to get people involved. And we really, <laughs> it, it, it ain't free to fly my fat butt around. So uh, up on screen now is a video of me holding it. It's pretty big. It's so over it, 16 inches. I was looking for the damn link because of it. This thing, I don't know if you've seen, I had to type in your whole Simon Says train in order for it to be an Instagram to give it to me. But wow. um, uh, I didn't know, is this lasered or engraved like with a robot? Oh, I, I think he engraves it with a robot. It, it's okay. wood. Uh, he puts the whole thing. He probably has video up on his uh, site about how he makes them. Okay, but it's but, not. It's, it's something's whittling that in there. Like oh yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. Uh, Dan actually built furniture. Uh, he New Jersey. If you saw what is it? What was the Bruce Willis movie? De Die Hard. Uh, no, Death Wish. If you saw the Death Wish movie, the latest Death Wish movie, the furniture that Bruce Willis had the guns in, that was Dan's stuff. They bought his whole stock out. So that's who did the work that's who make these he's a real second amendment advocate activist he supports the work of a lot of groups in new jersey and he supported us from the beginning i uh 
met him stuffing envelopes at gun for hire, trying to get rid of uh, a New Jersey Senator that was uh, a pain in our butts. And he eventually lost to a truck driver. But uh, I met him stuffing envelopes at gun for hire range. He heard about what we did and came in and he's been on our side since the very beginning and uh, he's helping us out. So if you can help us, awesome. It's a pretty cool wall hanger. And uh, it's 10 bucks a chance. So you can enter using Venmo, Cash App. I have all the links on that. And I also have the links in uh, Facebook at Simon Says Train. Uh, Facebook on the second is for everyone. And yeah, and diversityshoot.com if you want to donate through our PayPal. So it's 10 bucks per opportunity. You're going to put in a random number thing and uh, run that and announce it. So again, thanks a lot for having me on. And let me talk about this kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I was going to say thanks to both of you guys. This is episode 46. So I don't think either one of us, any of us, talked about doing this at all. I just started sending these guys links, and then it kind of worked out, and we've been doing it. So 46 episodes later, it's pretty much the whole year. So what I'm going to do is, wait, we still got one more, I think, before the end of the year. I mean, I'll still host. I don't care. And uh then whenever next year hits, 2023, I think I'm going to call it season two. So if anybody's got any uh, ideas, uh, something we should have done or should have do more of or less of, feel free to let us know. We, I think, well, I already have sort of an intro, but I did it before these guys were hanging out, so I could probably do some kind of a different intro. Um, but anyway, uh, that's this is a three four-hour show, which happens every once in a while. It is Christmas Eve. So if somebody's listening to this in the future and you can't tell from the uh, icon or whatever, the thumbnail, that this is the uh, Christmas show. So Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, if you're not here next week, uh, Happy New Year. Hopefully, again, this is an opportunity to, you know, as the calendar flips over, the Gregorian calendar flips over, then um, uh, it's a great time to look back. You know, it's a, it's a time point or whatever to look back at a calendar year's worth of uh, your goals and your efforts towards those goals. Hopefully lots of completion there, lots of uh, success. And when you didn't have success, you learned and uh, took whatever you could from that so that you got stronger and better. And, um, you know, you can have more realistic and, and uh, uh, what's the word, like uh, um, optimistic or realistic, but also, um, you know, real, uh, goals like give yourself some what's the word like some some difficult goals and uh if you have any uh, uh need any help or have any questions you know that we do the ask gun questions but we're also all available uh, as individuals if you need our expertise or our experience with something reach out uh, i don't know if you guys want to say anything else otherwise we'll wrap it up and see, you know, wish everybody a happy Christmas. I don't know. You guys can wish people happy Christmas yourselves. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you all. Uh, have fun. Be safe. Yeah, thanks for joining us for four hour epic. Uh, the thing will automatically send you over to G23s if you want to continue a conversation with authentic, real conversation with real people that you can be part of instead of just watching it. Uh, feel free to follow the links over there. Felix just jumped in. Pat in the bunker is out there. DJ, thanks again for dropping links for us and others, including Brooke Cheney, which will be live, who will be live tonight uh, on Christmas Eve to talk about suicide awareness and uh, 
suicide prevention and mental health awareness and uh, 500 magnums out there again thanks for uh, being in this chat and others big part of a lot of chats out there um, Jacob thanks for everything this year I won't try to read off everybody's but again thanks everybody for joining us we'll be back next week I guess I could have had this ready to go. AskGunQuestions.com is a website that we built back in 2007. And since then, for the last 15 years, people have been able to ask questions of simple to advanced nature, and we attempt to answer them in different ways over the years. Join us now as we start a new series to answer gun questions.